What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 21, the peak, the, the return of the kid. Welcome in, everybody. We've got, I'm the Rook, your host, joined by my other host, the kid, the analyst, and the medical guy. we got the entire crew today. Um, note, the, the bottom of the analyst is uh, a little notes there, hated by T-Law, hashtag analyst. Um, but yeah, we are here once again. Every Wednesday, shattering the script, and we're excited to have the full crew on for this episode. Um, the kid, I want to start with you, brother. How you doing? It's been a long time coming. I'm excited. You've been grinding. You've been on the move, making some sales. The gross. How is it going? It's going good, guys. And I also want to say thank you to the analysts and the med guy for holding it down while I was gone. I do want to say that a wolf is only as strong as his pack. And I would just want to say That's thank right. you guys for holding it down while the man was trying to get his gross. And I'm excited to be back. And I miss you guys. And I'm ready to rock and roll today. Let's get it. Hell yeah. Well, welcome back, everybody. Let's get started. We'll go right into the shatter of the script right after I announce my team, the World, the World Series champs, Texas Rangers defeat the Arizona Diamondbacks 4-1. to the city of Dallas has broken this broken the streak, broken the curse. Was was the Rangers the curse in the first place? No, it's still Rowdy, it's still Jerry Jones, it's still Jimmy Johnson being in the ring, ring of honor. But congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Um, repping you guys today. It was awesome watching, it was easy and it was awesome, non-stressful. I'm glad it was over quick. But moving on into Shatter the Script, we've got James Jones on speak talking about Dak Prescott and the Philadelphia Eagles Cowboys matchup. And here we go. In just one moment. Change. You know, this 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 is the Dak Prescott that we've seen in this league. We've seen Dak Prescott in big-time games not show up. We've seen Dak Prescott in big-time games show up. We've seen Dak Prescott with the ball in his hands at the end of games. And we've seen Dak Prescott not make the play at the end of the games to win the game. That's what happened in this game. I'm not surprised that Dak Prescott goes out there and throws the ball all over the yard and has a really good game. Like, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback in this league. So none of that stuff surprised me. I knew it would come down to the quarterback with the ball in his hands last, and Dak did not, did not make that football play. So with that being said, though, Dak Prescott, and it ain't close, was the best player on the football field, on both teams in that game. His team did not get the W, but he was clearly the best player on the football field. And you cannot argue that the way Dak Prescott played, Ooh. made plays with his legs, got outside the pocket, made plays with his arms, in the pocket, throwing the ball down the football field. If we would have told you Dak Prescott would have 375 yards, 74 yards passing, three touchdowns, and zero picks, y'all would have thought that the Cowboys slim. won the game big. He was the best player that, on the football field. Slim, clearly, Slim. Clearly. No. See, look, he don't like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right well shatter the script that was james jones there uh i'll give my first quick comments on that and then i'll dish it over to the kid um i thought he was spot on on both parts you know you know he, he had a little fair criticism on dak to begin it and then he had fair praises for for dak um following that um i didn't think it was going to lead up to him saying that he was by far the best player in the field but um you know we'll get into the dak on track segment i'll expand on it but I think Dak Prescott played an outstanding game. Um, I like what him and David Hellman have done on that show, kind of really shattering the script on their own with, you know, Cowboys players and Cowboys media in general. Um, so I like the words from, from James Jones there. And I'm glad someone up there, you know, I know they got the, they're parading the Eagle and there as if it's their Super Bowl. 
But uh, yeah, shout out to James Jones. Uh, Hunter, what did you think about that? Yeah, I'm going to keep it short too because I don't want to expand too much on it because of you know our other segments. But I can agree that for that game, he was definitely the best player on the field, uh, making big plays, making big throws. Um, shout out to Jake Ferguson, CeeDee Lamb, and Tyler Smith as well, especially that left side in line with Tyron as well. Uh, dominating performances by all those guys. And, you know, like I said, I don't want to expand too much on it, but those are my comments for now. Yeah. And Kazo? Yeah, I got to, I agree with, with both of y'all, man. I mean, it was pretty obvious that, you know, Dak Prescott was the best player on the field just due to the fact that if you look at the rest of the offense, there was nothing for the, for the Cowboys. And really the only reason they were in that game is because, you know, Dak, made plays everywhere and unfortunately it came down and like we'll talk about later on the uh, podcast, but unfortunately it came down to like a couple of plays that, you know, go an inch or two the other way and it's a different ball game. So I agree with y'all. It was good to see him finally get a little bit of praise, even though the Cowboys lost because normally, normally when they lose the vultures come out and and go right for the quarterback, but this time they really didn't have too much to say about him. So I agree with what y'all are saying. Yeah. The analyst? I think just to follow up with what hasn't been said is this is the first time when I've logged on to Twitter and Instagram or whatever, wherever you get your football takes, that I've actually seen some praise for for Dak. And, you know, a lot of the hate and stuff go away of like – like I saw one that was like, you know, people are – elevating his quote-unquote bad games to a certain extent, but nobody's talking about him like we've always said when he does good. And he played very well against the Eagles. And, you know, it's just like Jacob said, it's a game of inches, and they lost that game by literal inches. I mean, get more into it when we start talking about the game, but I was very surprised with Dak, and I think there's, you know, the shadow of the 49ers – loss has kind of brightened now after playing against the Eagles that way. I mean, we'll get into it later, but, you know, I was very impressed with Dak, and I'm I'm excited to see the Cowboys in these next couple games. So a lot to build off of. Absolutely. Yep, and that is Shadow the Script. We're going to move on. We're getting to the Cowboys, obviously, later, uh, recapping the Philadelphia and Eagles game right after the recap and predictions per usual. So week nine NFL recap um we're gonna start out with a game let's see we've got the germany game chiefs versus the dolphins chiefs defeat the dolphins 21 to 14 here's what i have on this game um i think two uh two folded in the final drive of this game um the underthrow or miscommunication whatever you want to call it to cedric wilson it just looked brutal you know it even if it was like supposed to be a route shortened it just it was just lofted in the air as if it was it looked a lot it looked a lot like that like it slipped out of his hand type of a throw but he but it didn't so it looked more awful than it should have um very it just looked poor and then obviously the fumble fumble on the shotgun snap following that you know which calculated as a as a sack and that was the end of the ball game um but yeah I, to me with the chiefs though um i think their defense is louder than their offense um, I think their defense outplays their offense in multiple games this season. Um, and, and Kelsey, 
the Swift effect continues to struggle when Swift is not there um, and not at the games with uh, Mahomes' wife. So Miami has not beat a winning team in over a year, and that's very concerning, not only for like a Mike McDaniel as head coach, but you know for the Tua, Tua non-narrative or whatever you want to call it. I, I just think that Miami has a lot to prove. Yes, they probably will be a playoff team, but I just don't see him doing a lot of damage, uh, you know, outstanding defensive ball game by the Chiefs, you know, shut, shutting down uh, the Dolphins. I really thought Tyreek Hill was going to have a big breakout game against his former team with all that smack talk that he was saying in the offseason. But uh, nonetheless, Chiefs get the dub. Um, but, yeah, we'll move on to the kid. What you got on the uh, the C.J. Stroud boy game? Yeah, so for my recap, I got the bad boy versus the Christian. Convicts versus Christians. Everything that Americans love about football. C.J. Stroud, whose first name almost resembles J.C., as in Jesus Christ, played his best game of his young NFL career. He is a lock for rookie of the year, and the guy who was drafted ahead of him struggled on Sunday against the Colts, where Kenny Moore of the defense of the Colts had more touchdowns than the Panthers' offensive players. You know, two pick sixes didn't look well. Uh, Texans definitely found their starting quarterback for the future. Um, hopefully he could take over a city of Houston. We saw what happened last time when they found a guy like that, you know. But uh, luckily he's a Christian man, so, you know, good things can happen. Uh, Baker Mayfield's late uh, go-ahead drive was not good enough while C.J. Stroud just marched down the field and ended the game. Uh, I got some stats that happened. We got C.J. Stroud, 30 of 42, 475 touchdowns. Rookie records, uh, woke boy, 10 catches, 131 touchdown, and then Noah Brownstains had six catches, 153, <laughs> and one touchdown. And it was a pretty much, you know, every time the Texans play at like noon, you're kind of like, eh, like yeah. you might even you might be a little hungover, you might be kind of like, eh, I don't really want to, you know, Cowboys play later, but it was and a pretty interesting game, and it was good to see that. Uh, a lot of people are starting to see the value of C.J. Stroud because he is a playmaker. Tank Dell, who we all wanted the Cowboys to get, very good player. And they'll be, a, they'll be a problem in the next few years. You know, they're still kind of learning, but, you know, they're going to have to uh, – that division in the next couple of years is going to be tough with T-Law, Will Levis, and who the fuck knows. It might be Caleb Williams and the Falcons. We don't know, but we'll see. Right. And that is my recap. All right. And Cuzzo, the medical guy, what you got on your game? So I have the Sunday night football game, Bengals versus Bills. Uh, Bengals win this 24 to 18. Um, just some of the notes I have is that the game started off hot. That uh, Both teams scored really quick. Um, and then, you know, the Bengals got the ball back and, and scored again. So it kind of looked like it was going to be a, a shootout. Um, but just some of the notes I have is that seems like Joe Burrow is back as well as the Bengals. Uh, he had uh, just a hell of a game. Uh, I think he was uh, 31 for 44, 350 plus yards and a few TDs and whatnot. Um, so it looks like he's back. Uh, definitely can tell kind of when, you know, he's moving around the pocket. He's able to scramble out and do some different things with his legs uh, that we weren't seeing in the beginning of the year. Um, also, another big contributor to this game was T. Higgins. Uh, he had a pretty pretty good bounce-back game coming off those rib fractures and whatnot. 
uh, and, and coming back from injury and, and showing just, you know, how, uh, you know, good this offense can be. I mean, they have, you know, multiple weapons, at least three decent weapons at receiving. They've got Joe Mixon as well as Joe Burrow. Uh, so it, it looks like when they get rolling, they can be really good. Um, and then kind of to the Bills, uh, you know, like I said, it started off hot. It looked like it was going to be a big shootout. Uh, but then it's like the Bills offense just went stagnant. Um, it looked like they kind of lost their identity. Um, and, and you know, Josh Allen turned the ball over. But even, even before he turned the ball over, it just looked like they kind of just veered away from what was working. Um, and I, I watched a... Uh, video I think it was last week on the Bills it seems like their offense seems to be uh, obviously Josh Allen playing Superman ball but at the yeah. same time um, Stefan Diggs playing Superman receiver and it's like hey Stefan Diggs goes and runs some crazy route and has to make a huge play and so it just seems like their offense just can get stagnant real quick uh, and then another one I know it wasn't Josh Allen this time but Dalton Kincaid had a terrible fumble when it looked like they were going to make a comeback. Uh, right. And those were, those are just kind of the two sore spots for, for Buffalo's offense right there is, you know, Josh, Josh Allen had a bad turnover and then Don Kincaid's fumble was brutal. Um, and so that just kind of put the nail in the coffin right there. That's kind of, that's kind of what I have for that Sunday night football game. Uh, I know the score is 24, 18, but it really was a, it really was seemed like a bigger gap than that. So. Joe Bengals Chai are Steve back. Is back, mm -hmm. <laughs> dude. The analysts: Monday Night Football, Chargers versus Jets. <clears throat> All right. Well, I've got the Chargers and Jets. Uh, essentially, I watched this game, so you didn't have to yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. The Chargers. The ending score is twenty-seven to six. That's probably about right. If you watched any of this game. Um, not a whole lot of great offense. It really the the offense came off of the turnovers from the Chargers defense. So I've kind of nitpicked the Chargers early on in the year, and their defense looked really good. But that also I think has more to say about how the Jets' offense looked in this game. Um, Zach Wilson, I think, had four fumbles. Yeah, he had three fumbles, lost two of them. Garrett Wilson had one fumble and lost that one as well. And then the other big thing in this game was uh, the amount of sacks that the Los Angeles Chargers had. So they had eight total sacks. Bosa had two and a half. Khalil Mack had two. And then their, uh, I think their second round draft pick, his name's Tuli, Tuli Polotu, I think is how you say it. He had two sacks as well, but a team totaled for eight. And they were all over Zach Wilson. Um, nothing really else to say other than the uh, big play that came out of this game was – an ill-advised throw by Justin Herbert to the corner, and Keenan Allen made a heck of a catch. I mean, yeah. I I watched, I was watching it live when he threw that ball. I was like, oh, that's way out of bounds. That's incomplete. And Keenan Allen had his basically his back towards the ball, turned, caught that thing one-handed, and on the way down, just snagged it and brought it in together right at the last pit. Yeah, there's a good picture of it. There's a if you're I watching mean, it. Was un, it was unbelievable. So. That was actually – I'm pretty sure that was on third down as well. It kept the drive alive for the Chargers, and they ended up scoring some points off of it. But um, if you're a Jets fan, it's really – it makes you wonder what your team would look like with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, their uh, offensive line is basically a shuffle deck right now. 
I think they said on the broadcast that they've had eight or nine uh, different starting lineups or different combinations going on there. But um, at this point, I don't understand why the Jets don't, you know, give the ball more to uh, Brees Hall or just tote the tote the rock down the field to Brees Hall and then force feed Garrett Wilson. I think they tried to, but Zach Wilson just holds on to the ball too long for what the Jets are. So ending score on this one was, again, 27-6 to Chargers. Um, that score was definitely inflated. The Chargers did not play, like, incredible. It's just – the Jets were giving them the ball on really bad field position. So 27, six chargers. I believe very, Zach Wilson very, was sacked like eight times that game. Yeah. That's what I said. He had eight total. The Chargers crazy. had eight sacks. It's crazy. I'm very glad that Ryan got that game because if I had to say that second round rookies name, we would have been here all day. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you to say that three times fast. Uh, I think it's Tuli Pelotu. Brother, me, brother me, would have sounded me, like radio. Uh, Tootsie Roll Pelotu. Pelosi. Tootsie what, Roll Pelosi. What, what is that? Tua? Tua all over? Hunter, you don't have to answer this, but who is the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders? Oh, Eric B. Enemy. Let's go! Let's go. Yeah. Can you use the word in a sentence? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy is black. <laughs> yes, that's correct. He is. You <laughs> ruined. Sorry, on. guys. All right, go ahead. I, I thought, you could have said you could have said he was the offensive coordinator for the Commanders. <laughs> you just had to go to his. You know, but every time people mention him, they talk about how he's black. I was just doing everybody a favor. I was just. Saying what <laughs> that he is was. true. Everybody, That's every true. time a white coach was hired, they all they do say that he was black. Guys, he's just shattering the script. Calm down. He was. <laughs> Eric B. Enemy was the first black coach to be an offensive coordinator whose name was Eric. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, guys. He's 50% Mexican. But yeah. here we go. In, uh, week 10 predictions. We're going to start off with our Sunday night football game, the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Jets, otherwise known as Terminal Cancer for Sunday night football. Um, so we have – Man, it's a negative one. It's a minus one and a half point spread for the New York Jets. Ugh. My predictions on this game, and it's going to be an ugly one, boys. But I actually have the Jets pulling this one out 22 to 20. I think they win this game purely off of their defense. And to Ryan's point, Brees Hall's production. Zach Wilson has played fairly well under the lights. You know, I know he got sacked eight times in that Chargers game, but he showed out against the Chiefs earlier in the season. Um, so you never know what kind of Zach Wilson you're going to get. Usually you get a bad one and then you get a good one. Um, so maybe it's time for him to play like a good Zach Wilson. So, and then the honeymoon game for the Raiders has concluded, um, you know, that, yeah, we, we stand behind Antonio Pierce. This is awesome. Run through a brick wall. You know, it's ended, you know, it's back to reality, but I do think table will get a lot more touches, but I've got the jets 22, the Raiders 20 in a shit bowl of a game. Um, the kid, what do you got on this Sunday night football projection? Jets win 24 to 13. Thank you. That's all I, got. <laughs> That's all I really got. Medical guy for fantasy purpose. Uh, I hope, I hope both of the uh, all the points go to uh, Devontae Adams, but I have the I, good luck. Yeah, I just can't move. Uh, past this being a high-scoring game. 
Uh, I'm going with 14 to 10 Las Vegas Raiders, oh. and I need both of those touchdowns to go to uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah, same here. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the analyst. Oh, man. I don't even want to pick. After watching the Jets yesterday and knowing what Max Crosby is, I'm going to go 17-14 Raiders. Raiders. There we go. Sunday Night Football brought to you by Roger Goodell. You know, thanks, Roger. Um, How does this not get flexed? I was about to say, there's this thing called a flex. Maybe we should try that out. But... You could honestly just cancel this game. And not <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. This game is canceled. It's yeah, like wow. everybody's like, oh, yeah. It's like, let me watch the Jets versus Raiders before I go back to my 9-5 to five job on Monday. That's just right. really what I yeah. want to do. It's awesome. Yeah, I'd rather eat. Uh, I have to. Pork. Hey, boss! I got a call in this morning. I'm blind from last night. Last night's piece of shit game that was on Sunday Night Football. Hey, hey! I need a mental health day. Um, I literally <laughs> cannot see because of the the atrocity that I witnessed for three hours on Sunday night. I should have been reading my Bible, but uh, yeah. So we've got the uh, what is it? The Baltimore game. Uh, let's yeah. Ravens versus Browns. Careful, Jim. minus <laughs> Ravens versus Browns. <laughs> Not going to describe what this game could be, but it's um, minus six and a half spread for Baltimore. Uh, the kid, what do you got us predicting this game at noon on Sunday? So, guys, they got the Browns versus Ravens, like you just said. It's Lagridi versus Houston's most wanted matchup for the first time. Lagridi and Deshaun Watson. You know, the Browns arguably have probably the best defense in the NFL, uh, but the Lagridi Baltimore Ravens have arguably the best team in the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a chance to be MVP again, um, especially if the Ravens finish with the one seed. Um, Watson hasn't been himself since the scandal, and I don't see the Ravens kind of slowing down. Uh, 27-17, uh, LeGreedy wins this game. All right. That's a big game for the Ravens and the Browns, a divisional game. I think there are already two wins, two two or three wins in the division already. Uh, all right, yeah. So we got the next noon game coming off the bye weeks. The 49ers versus the Jaguars got a negative 3.0 spread uh, favored on the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I think the, the 49ers coming off that three-game losing streak, you know, plus the bye week, they're going to be back to full strength at the return of uh, Taysom Hill. <laughs> I mean, Debo Samuel. Uh, so the Jaguars will have to find ways to get, you know, the wide receivers involved. You know, Christian Kirk was really good against man coverage. Uh, Calvin Ridley is going to have to show out. You know, you're not going to beat the 49ers when your best player is only going to get one or two touches a game. Um, and you're going to have to find ways to win with those wide receivers, like I mentioned earlier, because ETN probably won't produce as he has in the past versus this, you know, 49ers front, which now has Chase Young, you know, Bosa, Randy Gregory. Um, if you're a Jaguars fans, fan, you are, you are praying that Randy Gregory holds your offensive lineman like a dumbass um, in a crucial spot like he did with the Cowboys back in 2021. Um, just a very undisciplined player. Hopefully he smoked a joint before the game. Um, but I'll take Trevor Lawrence over Brock Purdy. Um, however, uh, and that's by far, but however, I am taking the 49ers team over the Jags, but I think it's going to be a close one. I've got the 49ers 30, Jaguars 27. 
I think the Jaguars play well enough to win this game, but I think the 49ers come out on top with a little bit of favorable calls from the refs. Um, we might see a couple of uh, clips thrown around on Twitter. Um, so we will see. What's, what's so funny? I just look at I look at Cousin's screen, bro, and it's just, I don't know. I, just, I wasn't expecting that. Scared him. Yeah. No, but – the fuck yeah. out of me too. The Niners. Uh, I thought you were about to say the Jags would beat the Niners. I was like, um, I don't think that's gonna happen. But I think the Niners. I, I agree with your take. I think the Niners kind of get back. So yeah, I got to tell me what the hell was so funny after that. But <laughs> sorry, my my wife walked in. She didn't know I was recording a podcast. I, she was she's been sick, so she was in the living room, and I guess was coming in here uh to check on me and uh yeah she walked in like while this was going on and while you were talking so <laughs> bring her back in uh, uh uh all right so yeah the next game uh we'll go with the medical guy i believe um with the lions and chargers um at 305 yeah so i checked on espn and the spread was uh minus two and a half uh detroit and i'm gonna have to go with that oh yeah yeah minus two detroit i'm gonna have to go i think i think the lions cover that i think it's gonna be 24 17 lions uh, i think the i think golf and his receivers have a big game i think that i don't think that uh defense repeats what it just did and it's also playing a much better team um and then i think uh the chargers are banged up on offense especially kind of on that o-line and then receivers uh because they basically have keenan allen and austin eckler even though those are very good at weapons uh i think it's it's really easy to just contain those two uh rather than what they had at the beginning of the year uh, and i think big reason I, I believe they win this by more than two and a half is i think it's gonna be a little not revenge game but revenge from getting beat so bad by baltimore that they're gonna come out uh come off this bye week you know, guns blazing and, and really trying to win this game. That's kind of how all I have on that. I have Lions 24, Chargers 17. All right. All right. And Ryan wrapping us up. Yeah, so I have the Monday night football game, the Broncos and Bills. This is probably another game that people aren't going to care too much to watch, <laughs> mainly because Russell, Russ, Trust, Bus, Wilson will be on the field. And the Bills are kind of like bad. I'm kind of starting to put them in the – in the bad group. I know that's that weird. Be a hot take, but I honestly, the Bills, the last time I checked the spread was seven and a half to Buffalo. I honestly would would bet against that. I would take the seven and a half to the Broncos. They just play the Chiefs pretty well. And the Bills just can't seem to like figure it out. So interesting. I, I still think the Bills win, but I don't think it's by seven and a half. I'm gonna go. 21 17 bills. 21 17 bills. Does Russ Russell cook. Wilson does Russ cook 12? Well, no, 19. he continues his 150 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> where he throws for like he throws, he's like 11 of. I think the perfect match for this game is he's like 18 of 23, 176 yards. Two touchdowns and an interception. That's yeah. a Russell Wilson game right there. Yeah. No, it's like I would, high I would completions, agree. no yards, two touchdowns on slant routes. 
Yeah. And then a god-awful interception that he tried to attempt to throw over the middle. Yeah, and we see on Twitter um, from PFF or somebody, we'll, they'll post his completion percentage and touchdown-to-interception ratio as if it means shit um, and say that he's cooking, but it's whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, who I want to see have a big game in that one too is Javante Williams. Uh, he had a good last two games, so hopefully he continues it um, for a third time. Um, Man, you just want that because you just got him in fantasy. Come on. That's correct. That's exactly why. <laughs> that's a, that's exactly why. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to see, you know, Devontae Adams and Devontae Williams, man. That's who I'm really excited Man, I really want to watch them do good. I, yeah. I really do, you know. Even you, know though who I really want, you know who I really want to get a lot of reps at quarterback this week? Taysom Hill. I don't know why, but I really need some reps. Just for him. feeling it, yeah. I just, yeah. Feeling it. I just, I just, you know, I just think that uh, the New Orleans Saints need to go a different route. Uh, they should definitely let Taysom Hill play quarterback uh, and tight end this week. About you know, hundred percent of snaps. Thank yeah, I, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly my logic. Um, all right, well, we will now move into our segment which we covered primarily and we've all been waiting for is the tracking the boys segment, you know, recapping the Cowboys Eagles game, then discussing the Cowboys versus the Giants game in week 10. Um, obviously the Eagles win this game 28 to 23. Um, it was a, honestly, it was a very highly entertaining game to say the least. Uh, that's what I was proud of once the game had concluded. I was not really, I mean, I was kind of upset, but at the same time I was sitting there going, damn, that was a, that was a good game. We played them well. Um, and honestly, it was exactly what I predicted in the previous pod. Uh, I was one point off on the score prediction. But my main you know, projection was that we're going to play them well, but we're just not ready to beat them yet. Or we're just, we need a little bit more time, get you know, late Van Der Esch back in the mix at linebacker, you know, whatever it may be. I just I feel like it wasn't the time. Um, and so maybe week 14 when we play at home, when we're much better at home by far, we could snag a dub and possibly be 10 and three at that time. Um, but yeah, let's start with our offensive um, analysis here. And I want to give uh, the kid the first go at it here. And now we'll move to the metric guy, the analyst, and I'll close this out with the offensive analysis. Uh, but what did you see positive signs from the offense? I know Dak Prescott, you know, had a chunk of yards throughout this game. You know, Pollard didn't get as many touches as we really, well, we kind of expected it. Ferguson was highly productive. I think you wanted to speak on Ferguson specifically, um, but what do you have on the uh, on the offense for this game? Uh, some good and bad points of the offense. Um, I'll start with the bad, just get it out the way. Um, well, first of all, overall, good game for Dallas against a good team. Um, Eagles are arguably also a top two, top three team in this league, you know, maybe behind Baltimore. Um, Terrence Steele is a weak point of the offensive line. But the thing is that, man, he also has the toughest matchup every single week that he plays. He's, you know, on the right side, he's going against people like Hassan Reddick, and he's going against Bosa. Like, you know, he's always getting these. The other Bosa. Yeah, so he's just, he always has the toughest matchups. And, you know, the Cowboys are going to have to start scheming better because, even though he is a weak point, and then also, you know, like most guys, like even like Parsons likes to move around, but like, you know, like the Bosa's and all those guys, they like to stay on one side, you know, Max Crosby. Um, with offense, too, you know, we talked about in the summer with Jake Ferguson, 
and I talked about, you know, if Jake Ferguson, if he starts cooking, then, you know, this offense is going to get a lot better. And it, what we've seen over the last three weeks is that it's the defense is still playing well, but it's more like the offense is really kind of starting to pick it up each and every week. And even though they only put up 23 points, you know, it easily could have been 30. You know, like y'all mentioned, it's a game of inches, you know, and then getting stopped at the, you know, the half yard line or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jake Ferguson, you know, looking at that chart right there, he is baby Kelsey is what we call him. That's and also, right, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take all the points for y'all. Uh, one last thing, I will say that the Tyler Smith pick looks better and better every single week, and I it's just totally kind agree. of another, it's kind of another one of those picks where the Cowboys, you know, hit it on the nail, and you know we don't know about it or we don't seem to realize it until like we actually see them play because you know everyone's like, why are we Tyler Smith? Like, who the hell is Tyler Smith? Or, you know, the Mozzie one hasn't really worked out yet, but, you know, give it time. But Tyler Smith is going to be here for a long time. And, you know, he's definitely shown – He's you would think he's a veteran the way he plays. And, you know, overall, good job, Cowboys. Even though they lost, you should smoke everybody next four games. Uh, go back to the drawing board and move on forward, boys. Yeah, absolutely. And I thank you for bringing up, you know, Jake Ferguson and – you know, we talked about him. Credit to me and you. Um, you led the charge on it earlier in the season during the preseason, saying that you know he could be the difference maker in this offense. And he's yeah, like that chart we just showed. Um, he's proven to be um, not only a very productive player, but a very productive presence in the offense as well. You know, where people have to keep an eye on him. And hopefully that opens up some deep avenues for the for the wide receivers, specifically for CD Lamb and you know Brandon Cooks. Whenever we start to actually utilize him, but uh, the medical guy, what did you have offensively on this game? Yeah, so uh, my good parts of the offense, I have obviously Dak, obviously CD, obviously Ferguson. Um, and I think I think Hunter kind of covered that uh, with Ferguson. I mean, he's been, I mean, just kind of lights out and how. You know, uh, Hunter talked about Tyler Smith being a good pick and it really looking like that. I think it makes our second round pick, uh, Schoonmaker, look like a very bad pick because uh, <laughs> it show it shows that you know. Can you please say that for the analysts in the back? Yeah, I'll, so we've, so we've I'll been saying it. that since June. Yeah, I'll repeat Thank it. You. It makes our second pick, uh, Schoonmaker. Not that he's a bad player, but that it was kind of a waste of a pick um, because. Like we've talked about, <laughs> uh, like we've talked about, you know, Ferguson showed the ability to be a number one tight end. And the fact that we drafted a guy in the second round, and there was tons of people available that we could have needed more um, to get utilized. And I think he has two catches for two yards this year or something crazy. He has more than that. But for a while there, he has a, he had like two catches for two yards. Um, but uh, he doesn't have much. And for that to be your, your second round pick, that's tough. Um, but yeah, the good parts were Dak, CD, Ferg, obviously like Hunter mentioned, Tyler Smith, I honestly thought majority of the O-line did fine outside of one spot. And, and so that'll kind of go into my next, my next point is the bad. Um, and I thought the bad was obviously Terrence still, um, Michael Gallup and then Brandon Cooks, not by his own doing, but due to 
just utilizing him in the offense. Um, I think it, I don't know, it, it just doesn't make sense how, like we've talked about with CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson kind of being that more intermediate, like our short to intermediate playmaker routes and stuff. And then you have them and it'll obviously get utilized later, but then you have cooks who could take the top off that then takes someone away from those intermediate short routes. I just think we haven't game game plan very, very, uh, very well. Um, and I think he, he's got to figure out, we've got to figure out a way to get him involved. Uh, and then with the bad with Michael Gallup, I mean, he's just regressed so bad. Yeah. Um, not to take any anything away from the guy because you know you have ACL surgery, you get paid, you got so much to live up to, and it just seems like he's just not the same player. And that play that he dropped on that shallow route over the middle that was an easy first down, if not more. You know, we've seen that play in the past where Gallup takes that specifically, I think, in a couple of years ago against the Giants, where he had that yep. big three D three T D game. Um, you know, him take that and go for 15 plus yards, break a tackle, do whatever. And here he almost looks surprised that the ball was thrown to him. And I just think that's just such a bad look. And it shows that, you know, Jalen Tolbert's got to get, got to start taking those reps. Kavante Turpin's got to start taking those reps. Isn't it Hell, crazy? Isn't it Martavius crazy? Martavius Bryant, we just signed off the street, oh. might be getting those reps. Like, Please, God, um, no. And then my last bad one, and I'll, I'll be done with my points, is and not from his own doing, but Hunter Lepke, okay? Hunter Lepke needs to be utilized. Watch we are, I, not because he's bad, because we are the coaches aren't utilizing him. I think he could do the same thing Luke's, uh, the schoonmaker guy does on the offensive line, being, a, being utilized as a tight end that can catch. Or how everybody talks about Zeke, everybody wants Zeke back for short yardage. You got a dude that can cough and go two yards. And so it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense how some of these weapons we have, we don't utilize. Uh, but those are my good and bad points from the offense. But overall, it was a great game to watch. Honestly, probably insane viewership. Uh, and I'm, I'm ready for the next, you know, eight weeks or whatever it is. The kid, were you going to say something earlier? You said, isn't oh, it crazy? Yeah. That I was, yeah, isn't it crazy, guys, how nobody predicted this? Why the fuck is Cavante Turpin getting more like offensive reps for like plays than Brandon Cooks? Like, you know, we traded for right. Brandon Cooks, and for some reason, maybe scheming Cavante Turpin, you know, that dude literally was in the blue tent. You know, we thought it was a shoulder injury. He comes in for one play and scores a touchdown before they even give the ball to Brandon Cooks. I don't you know. Why. My- Honest answer, or do you want my what the Cowboys media will tell you? Uh, we always want you to be honest with us, right? Yeah, why? why they, we... Well, the honest answer is Jerry Jones going down to uh, Mike McCarthy's office and going, "That little guy wearing number nine, I really like him. You should you should scheme up some plays for him. I like him a lot. You know, he's a good ball player, J- Mikey. You might he reminds you know, me of the bus glory retire. Yeah. Mikey. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, get it, big Mike. You got to get him in there. You got to let him score some touchdowns. It's going to be big for us, big, big. Yeah, but I big beavers. Totally yeah, and one one last question, and I just want to ask Jacob. Uh, you you mentioned that you wanted to get Cooks involved. What do you think is the best way to get him involved? Uh, I know he's a deep threat kind of gasher, and we seem to be using him for curl routes exclusively. You know, I 
my my projection would be to get him on man-to-man crossers, to get him in, in a zone. you got to get him somewhere in the middle of the field to take away a safety. Uh, but what do you think is the best way to, to get Cooks involved? Well, I, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, basically, take the routes that you were calling for Michael Gallup that he can't seem to do anything with and give them to the faster guy that seems to be able to catch. Um, because <laughs> if we've seen – like. Brandon um, Cooks running a running across a shallow route, he catches that ball and can you know run away from defenders. And then same with having him as like we talked about last week, him being an X receiver, he can win by himself, whether it be with his speed or his route running ability. And having him on a side with single man the man coverage, even him running a slant, that's literally what he does. He runs fast, and so. Honestly, just taking what you're throwing to Michael Great Gallup, losses. where it seems like he's kind of a, a two-trick pony right now. It's a stop route and a try to jump over somebody and giving those to Brandon Cooks because exactly. they do it with Cavante Turpin, and they're very similar. And so I just I just can't imagine how it can't translate as well as well as him running you know deep routes and taking the taking the top off of the defense and whatnot. Right. Yeah. They, and uh, Mike McCarthy, he Mike McCarthy turned Brandon Cooks into a jump ball curl specialist. I'm sick, yeah. bro. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. sick to my I'm sick to my stomach. Yeah, he's turned yeah. Brandon Cooks into Dalton Schultz almost, and it's just insane because last game, this past game, which I predicted it would be the Brandon Cooks game, he caught one pass for two yards because he thought he was about to get annihilated, and yeah. so he just fell down and then crawled for a first down. And that just, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the analyst, what is your offensive analysis for this game? Well, there's been a lot of points that have been made and I like how everybody's doing the good and the bad and the ugly. So I think everybody's touched on the good. Um, I thought Dak played a great game. And like I said earlier, I'm finally glad to see that somebody else is recognizing that, you know, Dak has not been the problem in these big games. It's it's always coming down to some nitpicky bullshit penalty that, you know, is crazy. You know, it's it's just tough because like you get you watch a Dallas game, and I told my wife this when we were watching. It's like watching witchcraft. Because like you literally watch Dak, there's literally video evidence. Of Dak turning and going, hey, this dude right here is eligible. He's eligible, right? To the, the to the ref in the white hat. Ref's like, yeah. And the ref <laughs> literally shakes his head. And Dak turns around. He's like, all right, I'm going to snap this ball. And he snaps it, touchdown, uh, flag. He's not eligible. It's like, yeah. all right. He had his fingers crossed behind his back, so it didn't count, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, psych. Um, but – Anyway, Dak played a phenomenal game. It's just a game of inches. And, you know, him stepping out right there for the two-point conversion, that hurt. And granted, we were in, you know, desperation mode. But he got us down there and we scored. And then we did it again. And, it, you know, things didn't go our way. We had a bad break. But Dak played very well. And I'm – Glad and one of the notes I had is he had zero turnovers, 374 yards against arguably the best team in football right now in their stadium. So 
the other thing that I'll say is Lamb's been great. He's hopping, he's getting hot, and you know everybody's made their points about Cooks and Gallup. I feel the same way about Gallup. They he went from being a deep threat specialist to I can only run curl routes, and the guy's going to be on my back, so it better be a perfect throw. But the one thing that I really want to touch on, and the thing that's really going to help this offense grow, is one, Terrence Steele is going to have to learn how to use his feet again. I I. I get what Hunter is saying about going against the best, but he's getting now paid like the best. He used to be very – last year he was very good. Before he tore his ACL, he was one of our best graded linemen. But, yep. you know, he played at Texas Tech, and the thing is, is it was weird because Texas Tech, everybody knows they throw the football. Well, last year he was the highest graded right tackle in terms of run, running, run blocking. And – he didn't have a problem pass blocking, but now all of a sudden I'm watching him play and the guy's feet are off every time he pass blocks. And when he's going against the best, they, they force his hands to his chest. And, you know, as an offensive lineman, once they push your hands down or do whatever, you're kind of in, oh shit mode. And he's, he's letting him do that to him constantly. It's what got Dak sacked on that last part of the game. I mean, people will, all the stupid idiots that watch the Cowboys just to watch them lose will tell you that, oh, Dak took that sack. Well, he had no time to throw the football. Everybody else had their blocks down. Zach Martin had a clinch. Baez was helping out Smith. And, you know, always Tyron Smith has vice grips on whoever he's blocking. And you right. watch Terrence Steele. And Terrence Steele, you know, pass sets right. Guy gets around him. His hands literally are on his knees. And Dak has no time to throw the football, tries to make a play and gets sacked. We have to spike the ball. You know what happens from there. So another part of that for me is Terrence Stills got to be better if we want to win these big games. And the offense as a whole is firing on cylinders. But when it gets into those game time crunches, you've got to be able to block and give your time, give the quarterback time to get in the get the ball off on those long play situations. But the next thing for me is the running game. We do not have a running game. And as I sit here and watch a lot of other teams in the NFL, it's you just see how much harder and harder it is to be able to run the ball sometimes. But the problem for them is usually they don't have the offensive line to do to do what they need to do in terms of running the ball. Well, Dallas doesn't have that problem. Dallas's problem is not that they need Zeke. It's not that they can't do it. It's that their scheme does not allow them to do that. They don't run out of the shotgun much, and they don't run any type of pull or pins. They don't run any type of combos to backers. All of it is just man-on-man blocking. Turn around and hand it up to Pollard, who is a better outside the tackle or outside the guard guy, but we're just going to turn around and hand it up by his ass the entire game and hope that on second and eight, and then Dak has to be you know, third down king on third and seven. So my whole point to that is this game probably would have been a little bit different if we learned how to run the ball outside of the guards. And then to Jacob's point, Hunter Lepke. We can get Hunter Lepke. If you want to run up the ass of our center (laughs) the entire night, then just put Hunter Lepke, the six foot two, 250 pound bison, and just let him get three or four yards. Because, I mean, that seems to be all we're running the ball for. So that's yeah. That's my that's my ugly in terms of offense. Everything else that has been said, I, I totally agree with. 
except for the Terrence Steele. I, I, I expect way more out of him, and he's just not been good. Yeah, and and Ryan, can you can you go into depth? Because I know you played O line, can or yeah, you played O line. Can you go in into depth about how how difficult it is for an offensive line to go into pass pro all game, basically because you can't run, you can't run the ball at all. Yeah, I mean, it, I think a good point as exactly what you saw on the other side of the game is Lane Johnson is known for. You know, looks like he's false starting and all that, but that it goes to the point of you got to have some type of run game. I'm a big advocate of throwing the ball and play action and all that, but you have to keep the defense honest. And when they know you're going to throw as an offensive lineman, the way to cheat that is like I got to take a couple steps back or I got to jump my own snap count. But all that does is it allows Hassan Reddick or whoever, Terrence Steele or whoever is blocking, it just allows them to pin their ears back because they know. First off, reading their Dallas split. is in. Yeah, first off, Dallas is in shotgun. They don't run the ball in shotgun. They're passing the ball. As soon as his ball snapped, I'm running the circle, and that's really hard for offensive linemen. I mean, if you're in pass for all night, it's basically like you're just catching defenders at that point. It's tough. So Dallas, I think, if they're going to be a threat in the playoffs, they're going to have to figure out the run game. And, and Jacob's absolutely right. That's why the Eagles are so good at protecting Jalen Hurts most of the time is because they have the threat of Jalen Hurts being able to run, but their offensive line is just – their scheme in terms of running the ball is, in my opinion, probably one of the best schemes out there. Maybe not – maybe second to the Ravens, but their scheme of running the football is just so good. And that's where Dallas, I think, needs to get better and then utilize Cooks as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree on all fronts. Oh, well, I was just going to say, my bad, I didn't mean to cut you off. The, Go ahead. Like with Tony Pollard, you know, he's he seems to have lost like a little bit of juice uh, post-injury. You know, you kind of saw it with the in the Chargers game where he almost took it to the house after he actually made a good broken tackle. But, you know, last year he would have – he probably would have scored that. And, you know, him being a third down back is what – or three down back, I'm sorry. He also doesn't have kind of the – you know, fresh legs, kind of juice. You know, he's having to be on in the in the field on first down, second down. Um, they're gonna have, like you said, we're gonna have to start using Hunter Lepke, uh, Rico Doddle. Um, yeah, because you know, with Zeke, it's not like Zeke's having an awesome, fantastic year, but with Zeke, he's just he's not playing three downs. You know, after getting hit in the knees for seven years straight in the trenches. You know, he has a little bit – you know, he seems like to have a little bit of boost, but if he was on the Cowboys, you know, it wouldn't really – like he couldn't do anything that we can't do yeah. already. But my my counterpoint to that would be how much of it is juice and how much of it is effort and confidence because Tony Pollard doesn't want to run up the zero or the one gap every time. He's – He's best, and where he had his best runs is in those stretch plays and those pitch plays and those, you know, misdirection plays where he's got two or three linemen out in front of him. When you see him at his best, it's on that play that the Cowboys run like once or twice a game where they motion in a receiver, and on that same side, it's basically a crack sweep where they get Tyron Smith out in front of Tony Pollard, and he gets six or seven yards. It's stuff like that where it's like, I think Pollard's at his best when he's running outside the guards. And I don't think it's about that he's tired. 
because they can always spell them, but it's just the fact that they are constantly running them up in there against like Jalen Carter or Aaron Donald, you know, all these guys that we've been playing. It's like quit doing that and let the dude tire out the off or the defense with his legs. And yes, yeah. there are times to run up the middle, but that's why he went out and got Hunter Lucky, and that's why he's on the 53. So Yeah, that's that was my that was been kind of my big thing about TP over the years was that he like he's not really like a true three down back and then you know with him moving to that role it's kind of hard to like you're gonna have to he he's gonna have to establish running up the middle and stuff because if you only do that with what's his name uh like lepke then it's not like you're not gonna be able to fool anybody you know it's like with zeke you know they ran up the middle but they also did those stretch plays that you know they really didn't work towards the last like two and a half years he was there (laughs) but you know with like Tony Pollard, you know, you're like, okay, what are they going to – like, even though they might stretch it, by then the defense is already tired. So, like you said, if it's an effort thing that Tony Pollard just is needed to kind of just, you know, take it to the chin and, you know, just go up in the middle. Because one, if he starts to actually hit the hole in the one and zero gap, it will definitely open up more things in the running game. And, you know, with the Eagles, I figured Dak was going to throw 40 times anyway. And what did he throw, like, 42 times to begin with? So 44. Yeah, Something so I, I kind of figured that was going to happen. But Tony Pollard, you know, to be, like, a one of the good running backs of this league, which he's still – like, he's one of, like, you know, the better, like, big play guys, or he once was. But to be a true three-down back, you know, you're going to have to be able to go up the middle and, you know, work your magic. So Yeah, I think one of the things we're forgetting about Tony Pollard especially is – that well for one there aren't very many three down backs left in this league and the league has changed into a committee backfield type of a league and you know me and hunter had discussions you know when we were living together in college station in separate rooms that you know hey is tony pollard a three down back can he have uh does he have the ability to do so and my argument was yes that he could and hunters was i don't i think he would need that second guy um, and I was wrong about that. And I think he does need that second kind of guy because what we're forgetting about Tony Pollard is he isn't that four to six yard gasher. He's that 20 to 70 yard gasher on the outside of the tackles, getting outside of the box um, in open space, whether it be a, a swing pass, whether it be a sweep, whether it be, um, like Ryan said, a pull and a kick, you know, getting your best blockers out in front. Well, this is kind of what I, we talked on the phone earlier about, you know, throwing it to uh, the tight end four yards down the field, you know, in a quick hitch route. Well, yeah, there's, there could be other reason you take that check down. But what, what I'm seeing is that we're throwing that, that ball quickly four or five yards down the field with the expectation yards of possibly being six or seven, which is like, okay, so did we just throw that ball just to get to second down and manageable? Cause uh, it just makes no sense to me. The same thing, same concept with the runs here is when you're using Pollard in a way where you're not trying to score every play, you should be trying to score unless you're really trying to game manage, but uh, which our identity is kind of a game. manage. so it kind of just plays hand in hand. There are times where you need to gash it with Tony Pollard. There are times where you need to mix it in with Dowdle and Lepke. Um, absolutely. But my analysis on the offense as a whole, and I want to highlight, First and five from the Philadelphia, Philadelphia six in the final play of the drive. And this is just unacceptable. I'm a, so I'm guessing I'm going to start with the ugly. False start, first play. Actually, we actually get a uh, an, an encroachment penalty on Dak's hard count. 
move it up five yards to the six. False start. The gate's a terrible quarterback draw. Then you get a sack for negative 11 yards back to the Philadelphia 17. Then we get an end zone shot play. I believe it was the intended for Jalen Tolbert in double coverage in the back left corner of the end zone. Don't understand why that's happening. Delay of game. Baidas and Dak have a, communi- a miscommunication. And then you have a 22-yard gain you know, from the Philadelphia 27 to C.D. Lamb, short of the mark on a, like a Hail Mary dig. And he tries to pitch it, but nobody, there is no pitch, man. It, it, it just, you just absolutely kicked yourself in the ass there. That's terrible gains management. It's, you know, with an opportunity at the 11 or the six yard line on first and 10, I, I'm banking that we score there and we win the ball game. So it's just an absolutely brutal moment. Um, but there were three different things, and I'll get, I guess I'll get more into it in the, the DAC on track segment. But the fourth and eight, the throw to Jalen Tolbert. The fourth and uh, one throw to Luke Skeenmaker rather than the Cooks to Lamb. And then the uh, third and one to Gallup. Those left probably close to 20 points on the board, uh, maybe four to 17. So that that's just brutal. There were just some brutal moments in, um, in that game. And, you know, Dak played his heart out into all what you guys were saying. You know, we got to get Cooks more involved. You know, Gallup ain't looking himself. But Tolbert is really making his reps count when he gets the ball. And I've been very impressed with him. We were impressed with him in the preseason. I'm, I'm impressed with him now even. And I don't blame that throw route on Jalen Tolbert because I think it was the wrong read by Dak. You're not going to make the right read every single time. Um, and it's, it wasn't even a really bad throw um, or really decision, but it, there was a better read out there. So that just kind of takes film and, um, and more, you know, trust in Ferguson as it seemingly seems to be increasing. So, um, but yeah, you know, Chuma number 71, our tackle, you know, not identifying eligibility to the ref, but then Dak did it. You know, there's just, you know, Schoonmaker getting tackled before he caught the ball. What I want to know is if when you catch a ball inbounds and take two steps and fall out of bounds, you're not ruled out of bounds. It's ruled a catch. So why is it when he completes his football move and determined possession of the ball, that's when the ball was crossed the past the pylon for a touchdown but all of a sudden the rule is changed for that scenario it doesn't seem right to me i felt like that that was a touchdown but also felt like it was more of a defensive pass interference um but yeah just mixing up in the run game man you know get lefty uh in those goal line scenarios you can you can do that little split backfield sort of deal dice something up um the tush push isn't our identity unfortunately uh even though dax a you know pretty big guy uh, being 6'3 or 6'2, whatever he is. Um, but I that being said, you know, with to continue with I guess the ugly is that the personnel I felt like was crucially wrong on important downs. You know, having you know, like I said, that shot play to Tolbert, the fourth and eight throw to Tolbert, uh, the uh fourth and one flat route, rub route, throwing it to Schoonmaker there. It seemed like it was all it, that that Schoonmaker play was designed for him. Uh, but here's some bright spots. Tyron, Tyron and Tyler Smith are absolute animals. I know Tyron is not going to play every game, but when he's in, he's an absolute monster. And Tyler Smith, like like Hunter mentioned, getting better every every week. Um, so incredible protection uh, this game by them too. And Tyler completely shut out Jalen Carter from this game, um, which nobody's going to talk about. But we were told all year long that Jalen Carter was just going to destroy us and we should be scared of him. But um, the white boy up front, as well as Tyler Smith, locked him down for the most part. 
Um, and then Jake Ferguson, like y'all mentioned, you know, he is becoming a factor for this offense and a feature to this offense to where you're going to have to pay attention to him, which is very exciting for our deep passing game. Um, and then, like I mentioned, Jalen Tolbert making his reps count. But let's move into our defensive segment. Um, and I'll start with the defense real quick. I just have a couple of little spots. Um, Philadelphia cover, recovered all three of their field goals. And for me, for a, a team Fumbles. that thrives – Fumbles. Uh, sorry, fumble, fumbles. Thank you. Um, for a team that thrives on turnovers like the, the Dallas defense, we've got to have those, especially that last one um, from um, DeAndre Swift. You know, on that last drive of the game, it just uh, before we get the ball back. But, you know, it just was brutal to see that. You know, I think our defense, like uh, the Metro guy has, mes- has mentioned a lot of times, is our defense has struggled seemingly against the RPO and dual threat quarterbacks. But we did a fairly decent job, especially, you know, in the fourth quarter of eliminating that presence from the offense. And still, not one receiver from an opponent team has surpassed 100 yards receiving. Um, and I thought it was great that C.D. Lamb on Darius Slay alone had four catches for 65 yards. That's one less yard than A.J. Brown had in the game. And on Eli Ricks alone had, I think it was four or five receptions for 66 yards, which is more reception yards than and receptions than Devontae Smith in the game. So CeeDee Lamb freaking showed out and dominated this secondary. Um, so shout out to him. And then last thing I'll say, Parsons, you play like an animal, dude. You know, I, I, that, that was a hold, and I, you were right to be upset. Uh, he played his, he's played his ass off, and he, he made his presence known with Jalen Hurts. So uh, the kid, what, what did you have on this defense? Uh, I'll be quick and short. Um, one thing is I didn't think the defense played – bad but i don't think they played awesome uh they had a they had a little bit of trouble at times getting off the field especially on that like first drive where they you know they converted two fourth downs um that's kind of been a problem with dallas over the years just kind of getting uh getting off the field um another thing is that there was i don't blame the refs for really anything the thing was there was a lot of ticky tack calls for both teams and it yeah. tremendously slowed down the game like the game was over at 650 it started at 325 it was almost uh three and a half hour game and with the defense you know michael parsons uh played really well i think with the eagles the second half with the jalen hurts uh getting kind of injured right before the halftime i think it kind of made them to where besides that first drive of the third quarter, they weren't really throwing the ball that much. There was a lot of running, just kind of, you know, getting DeAndre Swift uh, involved. With that being said, uh, like Michael Parsons, dog. You know what I'm saying? Drawn Bland played very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you guys saw it. You know who they were picking on? Jordan Lewis. Jordan yep. Lewis, you know, he's, he's just not him anymore. Coming off a kind of serious injury. Uh, besides that, though, I think Dallas's defense is going to be very fine the next four weeks. They'll probably be must starts in all those games for fantasy. Yeah, and yeah, I don't want to do too much because I want to take up all the points. But defense, you know, you didn't score touchdowns, you didn't play bad, you didn't play well. Refs, you know, ticky tack calls, both teams kind of kind of bullshit. But yeah, it's whatever. We move on. 
We have we we see the Eagles December tenth in Dallas. I'm gonna try to go to that game. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to join, I'm gonna work on it. Let's get it. I'm glad you mentioned Darren uh, Deron Bland. He had a he had a great game against those two primary receivers. Had that one deep ball, uh, great ball, a little bit of a shove there by Smith. But yeah, Bland is continuing to show out. Uh, medical guy. Yeah. So. Uh... I just had my my points. My points I had good, okay, and bad for the whole uh, Dallas game. And my defense was on my okay list. Uh, I think I sent this text to y'all in case I wasn't going to be on here. I thought defense played okay. Uh, but at the same time, you got to set the expectation. The, the Philadelphia Eagles are a good team. They have a good offense. They have a great offensive line. And so holding them 27 points I don't think was terrible. Um, I think they played three quarters of great football on defense. Um, however, as you do with good football teams, if you slow up for a quarter or a few plays, you know, it can really come back to – or they scored 28, sorry, not 27. Um, but the, you slip up for a quarter, and that's really what kind of got us beat right there is because I think they scored 14 in the third quarter. Like yep. they, they yep. came out and – you know, from half to to the end of third quarter, they scored uh, 14 points, and that kind of was a big difference in the game, and really changed the dynamic to where then Cowboys had to go on the super aggressive, offensive, Superman type play. Um, and so I thought I thought they played okay. I thought they played enough to win, good enough to win. Um, you know, like we've talked about uh, previously in this pod, is that you know it was a game of inches. Three fumbles that we don't recover, that doesn't normally happen. And especially with three fumbles where, you know, our defensive players are around the ball too. It yeah, wasn't like exactly. something crazy or anything like that. Um, so that was that was kind of that was kind of strange. Uh yeah, defensive line played, played really well. Uh Jordan Lewis was not very good. I would expect to see some more Wanye Thomas uh, in these next few games, playing a little more to cover some of those tight ends maybe some of those third receivers and stuff like that. Cause Dallas Goddard kind of ripped us on a couple of those. Um, and then um, I think, I think the, the defense has got to start putting uh, Sam Williams in more. It seems like whenever he gets in, he makes plays wherever he plays. I think he's definitely got to be, be on the field more and, and, you know, continue to, to provide some sort of, substance and another quick strong edge rusher outside of you know d law and and michael parsons but i thought they played well enough to win the game but just a couple things didn't go away like hunter said some of the penalties were were very iffy um and kind of kept them on the field but you know it happens sometimes but that's kind of my points on the defense yeah yeah you never want the refs to have a hand in the game um causes a negative impact on viewership and pisses me off. Um, The analysts, your, your final statements on the defensive side of the ball. I don't really have much to add here other than I thought they played good for three quarters and not too good for one quarter. And it kind of changed the whole aspect of the game. Marquise Bell is still my guy to watch on the defense. He played really well. And then I do agree with uh, Jacob. We got to get Sam Williams on the field a little bit more. But you know, I, I agree that the penalties were just detrimental to the defense. I felt like you know you could say 
there's a couple penalties each way that were bad, but I well, feel like the Dallas, yeah, I feel like the Dallas ones were more detrimental to the to our style or to our team than they were to the Eagles. But you know, can't that's something you can't control. What we can't control is our defensive play, and I thought they played good, not great. And you know, if a couple fumbles go our way and a couple different things, you know. Dallas is in this game, but that's that's all I'll say. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our DAC on track segment. Um, we're going to bring out the per usual the next gen stats passing chart and provide a letter a letter grade for Dak Prescott. Um, so here we are. We got thir- 29 of 44, uh, 374 yards, three touchdowns with a plus 6.0 percent CPOE. You can see a lot of throws deep downfield, one touchdown. Over 10 yards, um, a couple of check down touchdowns as well. Uh, a lot of completed passes over the middle, a couple deep over the middle as well. Um, and then a lot of green dots, which, again, which is what we love to see um, from Dak Prescott um, in, in games where you're playing uh, the best record team in the league. So um, what I have for Dak Prescott and the, the Dak on track, and I wanted to get into this earlier, um, is Dak made great plays on crucial downs um, to maneuver the offensive, the offense, the length of the field and was consistently able to put his team in a position for touchdowns. However, failing to capitalize on fourth and one fourth and eight and on the two point conversion and on first and five from the Philadelphia six was brutal. And I'm not, and it's not like, you know, the medical guys term earlier, it's not to say that it was his fault. Um, but it was just brutal that they didn't go our way. Um, I'm going to try and phrase this as I, as it was in my head. Dak Prescott in has become a quarterback in this game to where it was like situationally you want to throw the ball to your best players, but either the scheme or him himself have, has opted to throw to someone who probably should not have gotten the ball in that exact scenario, like on fourth and one, you have Schoonmaker on that flat. However, on the other side, Lambs and Cooks run a perfect pick route, leaving Cooks wide open in the end zone, you know, and that's just going to be look at the film and be like, ah, you know, but it makes you feel like that Schoonmaker play was designed. Uh, designed, And then, of course, I would like to comment on that. Well, I'll do this last one with the uh, Ferguson <laughs> is – Checking off Ferguson and immediately moving off to Tolbert on the fourth and eight, and Ferguson ends up wide open. But yeah, uh, I give him a B plus, eighty-eight, basically an eighty-eight point seven of how he put a number on it. So, but uh, what were you gonna say, Ryan? Just on that play where he threw to to Shoemaker. If you go back and watch the film, <clears throat> the uh, Eagles called an overload blitz to the right side, and that's where they had Lamb and Cooks, and you can the blitz. Yeah, Dak threw opposite of the blitz because he knew he wasn't going to have time to have that window. And, you know, things shook out the way they did. So that's just on that play alone. I don't know about the Tolbert play, but that wouldn't have been there in time for him to actually get a good ball out. So I think he saw that coming, which is why he went to Shoemaker, which sucks because it was Shoemaker instead of maybe Ferguson or somebody else. But that was – I think that speaks more to – more to scheme or who was on the field, but yeah. All right. Well, so. what is your uh, what is your deck on track? 
Uh, mine is, if you look at this passing chart, it just shows a typical DAC passing chart, which is he uses the entirety of the field in almost every game he plays, unlike somebody else that I always criticize, Russell Wilson. Um, <laughs> he's very, very good at hitting everywhere on the field and using using all of his targets. So I'm going to agree with Jared here, B-plus on Dak. Um, he had great numbers this game. If we just came out on top, it would have been an easy A for me. It was just in cer certain situations we couldn't get it done, and not all that is on Dak. That's a team thing, but, you know, he had a, he had a great game, and he's kind of proven, like, hey, I'm still – I still belong in that in the top ten conversation or top twelve, wherever you want to argue. But you know, he had a great game away, and I think that gives them a lot of confidence moving forward throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, through five games, Dak Prescott had five touchdowns, four interceptions, and in his last three, he has eight touchdowns, one interception. So he's had a great past three weeks. Um, so props, you know, to Dak Prescott there and the the kid. What is your uh, Dak on track letter grade? Well, for one, I'm I don't know why every time I do these, I always have a higher grade than y'all for Dak. I don't know what, what? it is. What? I, I don't know what for hard graders, I guess. Yeah, and then next thing but it's like I don't know. It's just it doesn't make sense to me. I just I think I like Dak more than y'all like Dak apparently because it's it's gonna Maybe be you do. Point. You're like a uh, I'm not going to call you a woman, but, you know, with women, like, they, they, they don't. They, they, no, listen, hear me out. Women like dudes usually by hating them. So if they hate on them so much, they're like, oh, she's definitely got the hots for me because she's being mean. So maybe you have the hots for Prescott. You just don't want to admit it yet. Yeah. Hey, thanks for mansplaining how a woman thinks, uh, Jared. Thanks. Thanks for that, man. Well, it's yeah. a stigma myself. <laughs> the the, uh, the women, the women watching and listening are really going to enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. The the 1% of our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I, what I like to say with Dak, Dak has played his best ball consistently for the first, like for the first time since post ankle break, and pre-calf injury. So I'm talking like just every game is just like boom, boom, boom. And, you know, I haven't seen – I haven't really seen a Dak consistently do that, like I said, in a long time. Um, I'm glad the 49ers smoked this team because it's like the Thunderstruck movie with Kevin Durant, that little kid. You know, they switched powers for a little bit, and then the 49ers, you know, they played their Super Bowl. And next thing you know, they can't – they can't do dog shit anymore. And then you got – Dak over here, he's been playing his best three games all year. Um, another thing is with Dak, I'm going to give him an A, which kind of gives me to – it wasn't about the throws that he missed or made. It's just more of – which I kind of wanted to ask you all because he missed a lot of reads. Is missing a throw worse than missing a read? Which one kind of I kind of want to get a kind of a take that y'all think like, you know, is it worse if he would have made the read and then missed the throw, or is it he, you know, didn't make he missed the made the read. throw but missed the read? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't know which one is kind of. Like, I think missing a, I mean, I think missing a throw is worse than missing a read. I agree. I, I yeah. think that if you make if you make your read, you're usually making good a, a good throw. Um, but if you miss your throw, you kind of goes into play with, oh, it was a bad read. Or it looks a lot worse if you made the right read but made a bad throw. 
You know, it's no, like, that's oh, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, what, exactly. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Man. That's what I'm so saying. Like, a, is it worse that he did a, that if someone like, you know, yeah. like someone who's completely open, right? And they like overthrow him, or then yeah. you've got the guy who's open and he doesn't get. There's like so a perfect know, example is uh, that Cooks curl route. I think it was earlier in the game that Dak like heaved over his head and he did have a little bit of pressure. It was the right read, but it was a bad throw. And I think it brought up a third or fourth down. Might have been on the first possession, actually. I, I could be wrong. But, like, in that instance, yeah, I would say, in my opinion, a, a, a misthrow is worse than a, a misread. I, I think cool. that's what I said the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, that's cool. I I just wanted to know. I kind of wanted to do a little, little quick um, open discussion. But, yeah, I'm going to give him an A. Okay. Um, he's been playing very – very good these last three games, and I don't know why these Dak cycles over here don't want to give him an A. But when I, you know, if I would have gave him a B minus, I'd be a fucking hater. But you know, I'm gonna give him an A. And then it's like, <laughs> damn, bro, I gotta come out with a Dak cycle verse. Um, I was only, I was between B plus and A minus. Me too. Me too. That's why I put the number grade there because I was like, he was very close to an A, but. So. The medical guy. All right, I didn't know. If, I didn't know if Hunter was done or not. Um, but I'm gonna be uh, on Hunter's side. I actually have him at an A plus, uh, <laughs> and I have him at an A plus because, no. <laughs> yeah, you could, yeah, I can, whatever yeah, you can yeah, say, whatever you good. want. If we're if we're gonna if we're gonna say wins are QB stats or not QB stats, and yeah, you know you you can't give him an A plus. But like, if you look at this game. The Cowboys are getting beat 28 to 0 with 64 yards on the ground, not even that much. 50 yards on the ground with that without Dak Prescott. You know, and you can look at the last 3 games. I mean, Dak's been as good as he's ever been in the last 3 games, whether it be decision, whether it be throws, whether it be making plays with his feet, whatever. Um he's just been on one and like James Jones said back in our shadow of the script, you know, everybody talks about does Dak show up? Doesn't he show up? Does he not make the plays? Like this is a deck we've seen plenty of times before. And, you know, it was just, it seemed like situation after situation, play after play, he showed up. I mean, yes, you could say he might've overthrown a guy or he might've made not the greatest throw, but at the same time, you look at these last three games, this one specifically, how many times can you look and be like, oh, he made a bad throw? Right, yeah. Not, not very many times in this game. Like, I, like this game, I, I I saw one throw that was not great, and it's the one you were talking about. Cooks. And it was because he was under pressure. And right. even decision-wise, like, yes, slowing it down on film and frame by framing it, it's real easy to be like, hey, he needs to make this read. And it's like, well, yeah, it's real easy to – to watch Madden all or uh, NFL all 22 and be like, yeah, what the hell Dak's looking at. But at the same time, every, and we saw every majority of every play. What have we talked about being a weakness? Terrence Steele. He had someone and they literally took turns off Terrence Steele. And so he had to make decisions like that. And so the reason I'm giving him an A to A plus is because we essentially had no offense if it weren't for Dak Prescott. Yeah, and the Eagles knew it. We knew it. You knew, and like we talked about dropping in the pass pro all game and pass set. Everybody on the field, 
everybody watching the game knew what was coming. It was it was that. Like, yes, we had a run every now and then, but majority of the time it, it didn't work out. I thought Dak played out of his mind. I thought he played good enough to win the game. And if you look at every big play that happened in the game, especially on the offensive side, it was because, good or bad, it was because, and when I say bad, you know, uh, you know, schoolmaker not making it into the end zone. Um, checking if a if a line one was eligible, stepping point. out of bounds on on the two point conversion, trying to make all of it, coach. all of it was because and in Dak Prescott's hands, and so that's why I'm giving the A plus because he was the reason this game was even competitive, and so that that's kind of my grade. Uh, it seems like me and Hunter on the same side, and then you know the, the other two guys are that I cut out. Yeah, just a Am second, but you, it caught back up. Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. Uh, but me and Hunter on the same side, giving Dak Prescott an A to A plus, and and you know the other Dak disciples are turning into some Judases and <laughs> and you know just betraying everybody. So yeah, well, Dak, why have I forsaken you? you know? Dak, yeah. you are a top three light skin quarterback in the league. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, yes. Hunter, I want to ask you, who was the winner of the light skin war, in your opinion? The, the light skin war. The quarterback, the quarterback battle. Jalen Hurts versus Dak. In this game. Man to man, it's Dak Prescott. But the Eagles won the game as a whole. <laughs> That's correct. I agree. I have the same stance on that. Dak Prescott won the light skin war. But Jalen Hurts, he got the dub. All right. Well, let's predict the Giants versus the uh, Cowboys Week 10 matchup, 325 on Fox at AT&T Stadium. Um, be short and sweet. I mean, um, this is just uh, brutal. Tyrod Taylor out. Uh, unfortunately, Daniel Jones tore his, tore his ACL. Um, I've, got, I've got the Cowboys winning big and this one, and, you know, I don't think it'll be close, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but I've got – the Cowboys winning 38 to 20. Um, I think Parsons in the pass risk eats heavily. Maybe we might see a couple defensive touchdowns in this ball game, but in order to win are my keys to success. Uh, Dallas needs to establish a formidable running game in the next three weeks. Yeah. Lepke and Dadwick need to get involved. Like we mentioned before, uh, remain healthy. I think is the primary thing. We, we can't afford to have any injuries against these teams that are um, on paper, not any good. Uh, and then win the games that you should. Uh, New York Giants, Carolina, Washington on Thanksgiving, and you know Seattle against Geno uh, to prep for your second matchup versus the Eagles in Week 14. But yeah, Cowboys 38, Giants 20, and Mamas don't let your Cowboys give quarterback number three time to throw. Um, completely <laughs> embarrassed the Giants again on Sunday. How about them? The kid. Nice. Uh, Dallas wins 35-10. Uh, mamas, do not let your Cowboys take the foot off your, the gas. Uh, the Cowboys should win their next four games. Uh, toughest one will, will be Seattle. It's going to be the Thursday game after the Thanksgiving game. And expect the Cowboys to bull rush this team. And 35-10, I don't want to recap it or predict it for y'all because y'all probably just leave the pod because it's going to be a fucking massacre. So 35-10, Dallas. The medical guy. Yeah, uh, Hunter and I share the same opinion again on the score. 35-10 Dallas for me. 
my keys to success are uh, don't be too cute. Take care of business. I think this is a get right game. Get right. New York has no weapons, so you are literally better than them at every position. So be better. Um, and then a couple other points I have. This needs to be a Cooks and Pollard game. We need to figure out how they can play and play well and produce. And then it would be great to have the starters out by the fourth quarter. And my mamas don't let your Cowboys get injured in this game. So, the analysts, what do you have? Uh, first off, I don't know how Jared thinks the Giants are going to score 20 points. But my prediction here is Cowboys 65, Giants 7. Uh, you don't any keys to success here, and I'm not even going to throw out anything other than the Cowboys should have their starters out by half. And then Mamas Don't Let Your Cowboys, I just had that Mamas Don't Let Your Cowboys be down about that loss last week. You're one play away from, from winning. So, yeah, that's all I have for this game. This should be, like, I should be able to walk away from my TV after the second <laughs> All right. Well, what you're saying is we're gonna get a smoking that pack video for next week. Well, I sure hope so. If they don't, I'm retiring. So <laughs> makes makes a whole lot of sense there. All right, the medical guy and the analyst, y'all get y'all's two minute drill. Um, we'll start with the medical guy with medical analysis, followed by analytical, statistical, whatever al word you want to come up with next. Um, analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, from you guys, the two-minute drill. The medical guy, well, what do you got? Yeah. All right, we got the two-minute drill. Uh, we'll lead us in. We'll do it like last week. I'll go over quickly the the injury list, and then we'll go into uh, a certain video that we'll go over, and then um, we'll pass it on to Ryan after the DB list. So starting off, we've got Kyler Murray, uh, Mr. Mr. Call of Duty himself. He was expected to return this week. So, Jared, you have a quarterback. Um, Jamar Chase ended up on the injury list with a back uh, injury. Um, And they mentioned it last game that he was kind of slowed up during that game due to that back injury. Uh, David Montgomery, running back for the Lions, he's uh, supposed to return this week as well. So, uh, Jameer Gibb owners, get ready to stash him on your bench or play him and get mad for the rest of the year. Um, Next is Christian Watson. He's got a – chest and back injury he was ruled with no concussion but is ruled questionable um and it's interesting if you are suspicious of a concussion uh that's not necessarily a good thing um and then one of your favorite players jared uh kaimi fairbaron the kicker for the texans uh he has a groin strain uh and he's out for three weeks so you don't have a kicker um don't let jared tell you anything different that's his favorite player <clears throat> next we have josh palmer uh, he has been moved to the IR due to a knee injury. Uh, next is Matt Stafford. Thumb injury, he's actually ruled out. Uh, Jared's second favorite player, and actually he dressed up for us Halloween, Carson Wentz. Um, he <laughs> has been signed to that team to play quarterback, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jalen Waddle, he ended up on here with a knee injury. They actually came out and said that his knee looks worse than what they expected from that Chiefs game, so something to keep an eye on. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, out with rib injury, Daniel Jones out, ACL injury, Dallas Goddard, broken forearm out. Uh, it's a big time tight end for the Eagles. Dirty play. Uh, considered a dirty play, but apparently you can't get tackled and get hurt and it'd be clean. Um, 
Debo Samuel is expected to play this week, uh, coming back from his shoulder injury. So now uh, Brock Purdy will return back to his top 10 status, according to uh, Ryan, the analyst. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> next we'll get into uh, – the video that I'm going to show you. So this is going to be Daniel Jones tearing his ACL. And we'll just go over it real quick. Um, so I'm going to go. We're, we're going to do this right. We're going to share the screen. Yeah, we're going to share the share screen. screen. And we're going to share it. I want to know how Kaimi Fairbairn's my favorite player. You told me before we got on the pod, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right. Can y'all see this? Yeah, there we go. Yep. That looks okay. All right, oh, cool. There we go. Oh, my God. So there we go. Um, it's his right knee. So this this video is actually kind of slowed down a little bit. Okay, look at his right knee. Okay, you'll see it, and it actually is weird because it's non-contact. So you can kind of see his knee go in a little bit, but there's not anything too crazy. You know, normally when you think of these injuries, it's something where you know it's like, oh my god, that looks disgusting. Uh, and, and similar kind of like the the Kirk Cousins injury we talked about last year and so or not last year last week um you know it didn't take a whole lot for that to happen however some of the worst injuries and acl injuries like that that end up non-contact end up being worse injuries and you know a few years ago with teddy bridgewater he actually had a whole knee dislocation due to uh, a non-contact injury and just with that acl um how he kind of went into the motion is it's more prone when you're in a flexed and valgus motion. So your knee going inward causes that tibia to then stretch away from that uh, femur to where it's connected. And that's where it tears. And so unfortunate thing, big time for, for Daniel Jones. He just got back from that neck injury, um, ACL surgeries, especially when I guess you you have some of the most qualified people to rehab and do the surgery for you for an NFL quarterback, probably going to be about six to nine months. Okay. And a lot of recent research and studies have shown that the quicker you return, and I know this sounds almost too simple, but the quicker you return, the more likely you are to get injured. So with a lot of these injuries, they really want to play more towards that eight to nine month return maybe even 10 months to make sure you're for certain back to where you're supposed to be rather than doing the whole Adrian Peterson thing where he came back in like five and a half months, but then <laughs> ended up kind of derailing his career a little bit because he was never the same after that. So that's just kind of the little injury analysis. I know that was kind of a big one this week. Um, and it just sucks for the guy. Hopefully he comes back and, and ends up being the same or a better player than he was before. Um, but now for the DB list, the DB list, the DB list for me this week, and it might be a little recency bias because last night I played it, hopped on Call of Duty and <laughs> Modern Warfare 2 sucks ass and Warzone 2 sucks ass. And I am so ready for Modern Warfare 3 to come out and them to get rid of whatever version of Warzone is on right now and throw it in a trash and we never speak of it again um it is honestly one of the worst games i've ever played and every time i get on it i'm like this game sucks <laughs> it makes God, me you must go, have absolutely yeah. slaughtered it, the last it, game. <laughs> it, it makes it makes me it makes me want to act like 
your older brother Travis <laughs> and I'm 30 years old and I can't act like that but it really makes me want to just shove my fist through a wall yeah. um and so the creators for that game for this for this game Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2 need to reevaluate their life and their jobs and come out with a better version of the game here in the next week week or two so my TV list and I saw Ryan nodding his head with me is Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2 specifically. <laughs> Modern Warfare 3 coming out November 10th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that wraps up my part of the two-minute drill. All right, On Ryan. To you, Ryan. All right, boys. Well, this is the two-minute drill, the analysis approach. Uh, we are at the halfway point, so I did something a little different this week, kind of shouting out what we've seen so far and what to look forward to maybe going forward. So – Halfway point, uh, we're going to start here with C.J. Stroud Boy. He's had about 2,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception. He's coming off a massive game. He pro he's proven that he belongs in this league, unlike any other OSU quarterback that has ever came out of OSU. And the Texans have a good base to, uh, to build off of. Next up, we have Sam Howe. Uh, he's had about 2,500 yards, 14 touchdowns. He has a lot of picks. Um, he's had a lot of bright spots, but what's killing him is the turnovers late in games. And this can be fixed with a good OC like B. So next up, we got Lamar Jackson. Um, I've always been pretty critical of Lamar, but he's finally figuring out how to be a good to great passer. More, <laughs> I'd be a little bit more on the good side, but he's all – all he needs to be – that's all he needs to be with his legs. And then uh, next I've got Joe Burrow. Struggled early on in the season, but he looks elite once again, and his defense is is really, really good once again. And then we're going to move on to some running backs. So I think the running backs that everybody's been kind of talking about this year, McCaffrey, you can make the argument that he's an MVP. He's already got 652 yards and nine touchdowns. Devon A-Chain, you know, my God, when he comes back, is he going to keep this up? I mean, he's looked like Chris Johnson early in the season, and he could be helpful to Miami's woes against bad teams. I mean, in four games, he had 460 yards, and that's 12.1 a carry. And then next we have Swift. He's been a big, huge help to the Eagles' running game, 614 yards and three touchdowns. He's kind of made a comeback after getting left behind from the Lions. Then some receivers. I've got A.J. Brown, historic run, arguably a top three receiver in this league. CeeDee Lamb, he's starting to heat up. I think he will finish top five in yards by the end of the year. And then um, Puka Nakua, I put him on here because he's on the top of the charts in terms of receiving yards. While he has been good, I think this was kind of like a Lynn Sanity moment. Cool story, but like it won't last. And then some defensive guys. I made a category for these guys. Still a G category. You got T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Michael Parsons, Daniel Hunter for the Vikings. He's got yeah. 10 sacks. Yeah. Lil Mack, he's still playing good. And then the linebacker for the Lions, his name slips me right now, but that guy has been elite. Andrew Tony or whatever. And yes, the white guy with the long hair. And then Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions has been a beast. And then some lockdown guys at corner. You got Deron Bland, been absolutely stepping up in the term of Trayvon Diggs' absence. You've got both the Jets' corners. They've been great. 
DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, they're the only reason this the Jets are remotely there anymore. And then uh, the Williams brothers there as well. They've been really good. Denzel Ward for the Browns has been one of the top cornerbacks in that elite uh, Cleveland offense and then or defense. And then PS2 has been pretty good. So then I have my own type of DB list, and this is called the disappointments of this year. And we're going to start with Josh Allen. He seems right. to be leveling it out. He's had some good – like if you go look at his QBR moments, he's been really good against good teams or bad teams, but like – Hasn't been too hot against the other teams. And this will surprise nobody. I've got the Russell Wilson Broncos team. Everybody thought when they went and got Sean Payton that that would change their lives, and it didn't do anything. And then we've got the Saints. What in the hell are they doing? Um, we've talked about them enough on this podcast. Good God, I cannot watch them anymore. <laughs> and then I've got Devontae Adams on here as well. Somebody get him out of the Las Vegas Raiders organization. He's just, my God, he looks miserable. He looks like a sad dog sitting on the porch waiting for some food. I know a way and, he could. He could drive 130 miles an hour on the highway. That would that'll get him out of the Raiders. Jesus. Okay, moving on. So we've got the Jets. Uh, the Jets are still in the race, uh, maybe not after last night. But you can't help but wonder if you're a Jets fan that – if a-Rod was out there where your team would be right now. And then the Packers. The Packers have also been a major disappointment. They thought they were going to have their forever luck of all-time great wide receiver quarterback combos, and Jordan Love looks like crap, and Christian Watson hasn't done anything. And then uh, kind of building off of last year, Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson has been a major disappointment. They can't keep him on the field. And I've been saying this for a while. I think everybody thought that he'd come back and be like what he used to be. But I just think the one thing that, you know, everybody's talking about his playing, whatever. I think he's dealing with like overwhelming guilt and shame. And I think it's completely changed how he plays. And they can't do it anymore. So, yeah. And then the last one on this list is who the Cowboys play on. <laughs> Sunday is the Giants. Everybody thought that the Giants were going to be a playoff team and Brian Dable was going to get to put it together. But, oh, my God, they look horrible. And now they're down to the third QB. And I think Dayball's going to start beating the shit out of whoever's playing quarterback. Because he <laughs> looked, every time every time you watch him and every time Daniel Jones is out on the field, he made a mistake. It looked like Brian Dayball was about to drop his mic and start throwing hands. So... Anyway, that's kind of my disappointments and some highlights. I just tried to pick a couple guys that are maybe flying under the radar and doing some different things. But, you know, I think your MVP candidates at these half of the year, it's always going to be a quarterback, but McCaffrey has played well. A.J. Brown has been electric. Lamar Jackson's playing MVP again. And then you could even throw – Jared Goff in there at times. Uh, maybe so he's lost some games, but Jared Goff has been playing electric. And, yeah, so those are, that's the uh, two-minute drill at the halfway point of the 2023 NFL season. The disappointment list. It sucks we don't have any uh, a Russell Wilson passing chart, um, but uh, luckily that man's on by, so he doesn't get to get exposed on uh, on the track podcast today. Exposed enough. I don't even know if it's – worth showing anymore he's been so 
It's like what I said earlier. Every game is like 18 of 23, 183 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and nothing is thrown over 10 yards. I'm, I'm kind of upset we didn't like look at his Instagram because I'm sure he's like enjoying a bye week and probably posted a video and was like, what's up, guys? You know, I'm out here in Cabo uh, celebrating, you know, with the wife, Sierra. Sierra, say hi. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Unlimited sex. But, uh, but yeah, Russell Wilson, you're lucky. You weren't on the uh, the passing chart uh, analysis today from the analysts hated by T-Law. But we got the first, or uh, the first in a while, the kids' picks brought to you by the peak. Over there in the top right corner, what do you got for the kids' picks? Uh, it's definitely not week eight, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, guys, for the kids' picks this week, I got DJ Moore over 54.5 receiving yards versus the Carolina Panthers. Now, for you guys who remembered last time when I had DJ Moore on Thursday Night Football, the analyst knows pretty well because I was he's going against him in fantasy, and he put up 50 points. DJ Moore against his old team, expect him to force feed. Then we got Christian McCaffrey, over 71.5 rushing yards versus Jacksonville. Jacksonville doesn't really have a good run defense. McCaffrey's the best running back in football. Should be easy pickings. I bet you by Friday, C-Max, 71.5 rushing yards will probably be closer to 75, 76 because Price Picks likes to uh, pocket watch you. Then I got Alvin Kamara over 35 and a half receiving yards. He's been kind of, you know, playing with it a, a lot, no homo. Uh, but the thing is, at the moment, every time Derek Carr throws the football, it's like he's throwing a cotton ball in a tornado. So he can't <laughs> throw the ball past four yards. So expect uh, Kamara to get a lot of, you know, short passes because when you got an arm that can't throw a football, and it looks like you're throwing a cotton ball in a tornado. It's not going to oh, go good. For a you. wet noodle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's you know we're gonna we're gonna keep it plain and simple. Those are uh, three must locks of the week. And like I said, the McCaffrey one by Friday, and if not Friday, Saturday will be about 75, 76 rushing yards versus Jacksonville. Get these get these lines early because they pocket watchers. They'll try to take your money. Fuck them though. We're getting tomorrow money. Let's <laughs> let's ride. Free money. Free money. Free and money. And that's uh kids picks of the week. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, let's get into the Rooks Look Start and Sit em for the fantasy football week nine recap. We got I told you guys to start Dalton Kincaid, Buffalo tied in. We ended up getting 16.10 PPR points, 10 out of 11 receptions, 81 yards, and a fumble loss. Like I said, Knox was on IR, heavy involvement in his absence. He's had a great last three games. He's a must-start going forward. I told everybody to start Quentin Johnson because I figured, you know, him being wide receiver two would probably get some production out there. But 3.60 PPR points, two receptions, 14 yards. He was in 83% of the snaps. He just didn't get thrown the ball at all. Um, I told everybody to sit well Levis and I ignored my ignored my own advice and made a very snap decision by starting him for some strange freaking reason. But 9.68 PPR points, 22 of 39 completions, 262 yards and an interception um, on Thursday night football versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I felt like Vrabel kind of condensed uh, the playbook from the previous week. Uh, Must have been maybe the short week. Maybe he can uh, bounce back with this next game. Um, then we had Jordan Addison. 
Uh, Minnesota wide receiver told everybody to sit him as well. 10.20 PPR points, five out of seven receptions for 52 yards. Josh Dobbs, you know, shout out Josh Dobbs came in on Tuesday, never even met any of the players, knew the playbook. I had to be reminded of the cadences as soon as he came in. He came in with a, a comeback victory and an absolute dub. Uh, so shout out to Josh Dobbs. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Addison, mediocre game uh, in productivity, but he should be all right going forward as maybe a wide receiver three. Uh, and I told everybody the sleeper pick, and this was a risk, and I understood that, but Chubba Hubbard, uh, Carolina running back, 10.70 PPR points. He essentially got his sleeper projection, uh, but 16 carries, 58 yards, and four out of six reception targets were caught for nine yards. So maybe he is a flex receiver going or flex running back going forward. Uh, if you're low on depth, you're probably using this kind of guy. Um <laughs> I wasn't expecting four yards for nine yards or four Meaning. catches for nine yards, bro. That's what that shit threw me off. I hope I didn't get that shit wrong, but I was like, I, I was thinking the name. Did I read that shit right? But all right. So on the, the week nine recap, I had three out of five, right? I mean, you can count maybe the sleeper, but that's two weeks in a row. I'm getting the hang of this shit. So hopefully we can go for three. Uh, week 10, stardom sit-ems. Start Amari Cooper, Cleveland wide receiver. I'm taking a risk with this one. I know it's an away game versus a Baltimore defense. Um, I think he is highly productive when Deshaun Watson is in the game, uh, despite Deshaun Watson's woes. Um, so hopefully Amari Cooper gets some production and maybe gets in the end zone. Excuse me. Uh, start Rashad White. This is a must start from here on out. The Tampa Bay running back. Uh, just a PPR god in the running back category. I mean, you know, high upside. Even when the run game is weak, he's getting, you know, five-plus receptions a game and a multiple targets. Uh, sit. Woke boy. Dalton Schultz. Houston tight end. Um, has not produced versus a good defense so far this year outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you would want to count them as a top-10 defense. I say they're formidable, but um you know it's, there's upside there stash if possible but if you got to start him you know obviously i get it um you know roll the dice sit jacoby myers i'm not sure he's going to get this is a las vegas wide receiver i'm not sure he's going to get a lot of productivity with aiden o'connell in the game he didn't get he didn't see a lot of action in their game although they went up very early um went up big very early um so this is a jet secondary as well uh, it's going to be tough for aiden o'connell to overcome that and then our sleeper of the week is Jahan Dotson, uh, Washington Commanders wide receiver, the second year guy out of Penn State. Three straight games of produ uh, productivity. Um, you know, Hal is him currently. I mean, he is dicing every defense he plays for the most part. And I think he's a wide receiver three flex option for week 10. Um, and then, of course, we've got our heave of the week. And this one is going to be – fun so let me pull it up right quick for our heap of the week it's actually the washington commanders and uh i'm sorry the uh, washington commanders and new england patriots game uh sam howell on the throw here so let's get this wild up for the heap of the week all right everybody can see that there we go open it up pause play all right play. play by play here we go there's a roar <laughs> Washington Commanders versus the New England Patriots. 17-10 ball game here midway through the third quarter, just under seven minutes to go. Play clock running low. Sam Howell already has 195 yards. He takes a snap. He gets a blitz from the left side, collects his feet. <laughs> and the double covers, threads the needle, 
Needle to Jahan Dotson who hits the gritty. And Jahan Dotson scores. He is your sleeper of the week. Second down and Howell, Dick on him, son. Great throw there by Sam Howell in this game. Um, Washington Commanders come out the victory. Are they a sleeping NFC East playoff team to get that seventh seed? I don't think so, but Fuck they could no. be. Probably not. <laughs> so, well, we know we know Hunter's point of view, so we understand Hunter's point of view on that one. And that is my Rooks look starter percent for the week. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's get into our track hierarchy. Um, honestly, we're all kind of freestyling this thing. There's some people that are making the tier list, there's some people that are making the top 10, there's some people that might have da- uh, dabbled into some of the playoff standings now that we're at the midway point. I have some playoff stuff I'm, uh, I might go over, um, but. Nonetheless, the kid, start off with your track hierarchy, tier list, playoff list, whatever you got. All right. Well, guys, I like to kind of spice things up because I'm Mexican. Um, so everything, I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm going to do top 10 QB nicknames. I'm going to change what? it up. All right. Number one, I got LaGreedy. Number <laughs> yeah. two, I got my homeboy. Who's LaGreedy? Lamar Jackson. Oh. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, never heard he that was, when it. Yeah, when he was in the when he was trying to get a contract and they offered him money and he said no, so people started calling him Lagridi. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, my second favorite is La Parlay uh, with uh, LeBron. Uh, I really feel like the Browns are going to win this game. Number three, uh, I got Jaw for Josh Allen. Four, Joe Shicey, That's my dog. Five is AR fifteen. Uh, number six, I got Tua turn the ball over. Um, <laughs> Move it up. <laughs> seven, I got Jared Goff. Um, number eight, I got Kirko Chains. Uh, nine is Nathan Peterman, and number ten is Dak. And that's gonna be my top ten QB ranking nicknames for the week. <laughs> Wait, did you say Jared Goff in there? <laughs> yeah, did you just say Jared Goff? <laughs> Jared May Goff, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I, I just try, I, I I threw something in you know I like his name so you know so I'm going with it top ten top ten quarterback names you heard it here first from Dick Kid here uh, the medical guy what is your track hierarchy so I just went with my same tier list and then obviously there'll be the ones that are towards the top of it will be I think playoff teams but I added a new uh, column here I have. Bad and young. Uh, so I have the Bears, the Colts, the Panthers, and the Falcons in the bad and young category. I have the bad but young. And I have uh, the Washington Commanders. I have the Tennessee Titans. And I have the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Uh, I have just bad. And these are pretty obvious. Uh, I have the Cardinals, even with Kyler Murray, K1 coming back. Um, I have the Steelers, who I, I don't know how they win games. They look, they look like a top, a bottom two to three team to me. Um, then we have the Patriots, the Giants. The Giants can be put in a category where it's bad and no QBs. Um, the Raiders, and then the Broncos. Then I have my teams that are I don't know teams because it seems like when I talk about them, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And I have the Chargers, the Jets. The Saints, the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Texans. Um, next, I have the OK list, and that's going to be the Bills, the Browns, the Seahawks, 
and maybe a surprise right here, the Dolphins. So uh, after seeing, I guess we're nine weeks in and seeing that the Dolphins can beat bad teams very easily and lose to good teams, it's like, well, I don't can't really decide if you're good or not. It doesn't seem like you're very good. Um, and then my good teams, um, I got the Chiefs, Ravens, Jaguars, Eagles, Lions, 49ers, who are flirting on that good and okay line, the Bengals, and then I also have the Cowboys. And then my playoff picture is essentially I between the good and the okay teams, I do not think the Browns are going to make the playoffs. However, they seem like kind of that, that team that is just going to hang around. And then I think at the end of the year, they'll lose like three in a row. And then it's like, yeah, well, we expected it. But my playoff teams, I would expect to be, you know, obviously the 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 Chiefs, Ravens, Jaguars, um, Eagles, Lions, uh, 49ers, Bengals, Cowboys. I'm going to have to go with um, out of that AFC division. Golly. I'm going to have to go with the Bills over the Dolphins with that. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's where I, I went. Yeah, I think the the Seahawks are going to sneak in there. And then, then out of that NFC division over there, that sucks. Uh, God, Lee, I'm looking. It, it's between the Saints and the Buccaneers, and I don't want to pick either of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like this is – it's tough to pick between the two bad teams. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say, F it. I'm gonna go with the the Buccaneers. I don't know. They seem scarier to me than the Saints. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> yeah. Scarier Scary. with uh with Baker Mayfield under center. Yeah. Uh, the villain. Yeah. yeah, it's so bad, so bad. Like it's gonna be like a uh a seven and ten team make make the playoffs or whatever. Oh my god. Yeah. And win and win a division. Right. Exactly. God, uh, atrocious. Uh, the analyst. All right, so mine was just a regular uh, post week nine power rankings, basically. And my honorable mentions, like I've been doing, I have the Seahawks, the Browns, the Texans, and I had the Jets in here, but after watching them on Monday night, I'm going to take that out. Um, and then at number 10, I have the Bills. Um, I've keep the short sweet. I think the Bills are starting to linger on that they're an okay team to bad team. They look good in instances and they don't look good in others. Um, at the beginning of the season, I think they scared a lot of people and they're kind of showing that they're mediocre now. And I'm kind of shocked by that. At number nine, I have the Jags. Jags are a good football team, but, you know, I want to see them play some good teams before I can really start moving them up my rankings. They have a good matchup with the 49ers coming up. Number eight, I have the Lions. I still really like the Lions. I think that the Lions are a good football team. You know, the Baltimore Ravens beat the hell out of them. But, you know, other than that, the Lions are good, and they will make the playoffs. If you go look at their schedule, they play nobody. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a team, um, if I'm being completely honest, that I think Dallas could absolutely rock in the playoffs. I agree. Um, they are a type of team that Dallas would absolutely thrive on. It's kind of like the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys. Like, they're just – the Niners are a kryptonite. I think if we played the Lions, we would be their kryptonite completely. I don't I think agree. they could be able to, to keep up with us. 
All right, number seven, I have the Bengals. They are at number seven just because of their record. But honestly, I feel like they're a better team than number seven. They're they're top tier. Burrow's playing lights out. Their defense is back on track. T. Higgins has came out of his hole and he's starting to show that he's, you know, a good wide receiver too. Could be a wide receiver one elsewhere. At number six, I have the Dolphins. Um, this is kind of high up on the list now that I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm going to put the Bengals at six and the Dolphins at seven. The Dolphins are kind of um, – they're candy ass to me. <laughs> I've said that before. Candy ass. Candy ass, meaning that they're all high and shine. They're the type of team that you play in high school where the other guys have all this cool shit, cool face mask, whatever, and you beat them by 45. So – yeah, that's I have the Dolphins at seven and the Bengals at six. Moving on to number five. I still have the Niners at number five right now. I know they've lost three straight, but you can't really count them out. And I think they'll excuse me, they'll probably make a uh, a good turnaround here in the second half of the season. And then believe it or not, I have at number four the Dallas Cowboys. I think that that game against the Eagles showed a lot for Dallas. I think, like I said earlier, I think it took away the shadow of the Niners' loss, and I think it it shows that Dallas is like seeing what people are saying. They're like, all right, okay, yeah, we'll we'll step up and we'll play. They have a gauntlet of games later in the season, and they should win these next four. And I would very much venture out to say that the Eagles and Cowboys game in week 14, right, Yep, yep. Week 14. Uh, AT&T. They will be going into that game with the same record as the Eagles, and that game is going to be very meaningful. Yeah. Very meaningful. Um, number three, I have the Chiefs. Um, their defense, I have said it last time I was on this podcast, their defense could be top five. I mean, their defense is yeah, very strong, and they used to be the heart and soul of that was Kelsey Hill and Mahomes. Mahomes is still there and Kelsey's too, but their defense is winning them football games. At number two, I have the Eagles. Um, Eagles beat us on Sunday and they're eight and one and they look good, but I still think that there's kinks in that armor that somebody's going to figure out. But they're winning games and they're figuring out how to win games and they're just a solid football team. And then at number one, I think these are the two that people could argue back and forth about, but the Ravens. The Ravens at number one, they have beaten up opponents that everybody's been talking about. Um, they're just a well-rounded football team. Lamar's played, uh, playing crazy. And I, I do think that at the end of the season, I still think that when they play like the Chiefs or the Bengals or somebody like that, that they'll probably lose like the first one or two games. And like they'll probably lose in the divisional or something until proven otherwise. But right now they're playing top tier football. So that's my week nine uh, tier rankings as of week nine. So <laughs> I would say everybody in this top 10 for me is more than likely going to make the playoffs. The ones that I would say on their edge of their seats are the Dolphins and the Bills. So, and then the same division too. So that's one of them has to win the division. Well, that's what I'm saying is if one of them doesn't win the division, I would say that they're most likely out because there's a lot of other divisions in the AFC that have some contenders. But it's it's a close race. Yeah, 
I think it'll be the Bills because they already beat the Miami Dolphins once. But here's kind of my like interchangeable top ten that I've been keeping up with since week four uh, or so. But this is from last week. A little adjustments. Ravens move up a spot to number one. Eagles move down a slot to two. Chiefs at three. Bengals shoot up five slots to number four, entering the top five, swapping spots with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, they're not going to surpass the 49ers <laughs> or number six until they beat a good team. So I'm keeping my word on that. But they move down just this tiny little slot behind the, the, the 49ers because of the Bengals' presence. Uh, the Detroit Lions have been in the same spot for three weeks for me. They, they have not moved. Um, and then Buffalo, Miami, just similar to Ryan's list, you know, right there, nine and ten. Um, Miami drops down five slots, uh, basically swapping places with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and then in the hunt, I've got the Cleveland Browns um, and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So and then one other thing that I wanted to go over is kind of a miniature like playoff look. So, yeah. and I'll, and I'll show, actually show my screen because it'd be so much easier to do this this way. Um, and just kind of a real quick, my thoughts. So current standings right now, you got the chiefs at seven and two along with the Ravens Jaguars are one less win with six and two, you know, you got the bills, Bengals, Dolphins, and Browns kind of all with similar records. Um, you kind of caught my reasonings in there, but these are the seeds one through seven that I think are going to be in the uh, AFC chiefs at number one. You know, getting that first round by, I think the Browns sneak in at the seventh slot. Uh, the Dolphins, you know, will be in a wild card team as well as the Bengals. And we'll get to what happens to the Bengals later in just a sec. Um, and then, of course, with the NFC, you've got the Eagles getting the number one slot, unless the Dallas Cowboys just somehow dominate in the gauntlet and beat the Eagles at home in week 14. There's a chance we have not had a repeat NFC winner in a long time if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I've got the Cowboys being uh, a number five seed right outside of the division winners, probably probably playing the Saints in the first round of the playoffs, which should be an absolute dub for the Cowboys in the divisional. But the Lions, like Ryan said, very easy schedule. Uh, the 49ers, those three losses, I don't think they'll catch up to the Lions record-wise. Um, so they'll be third, third seed, but they'll obviously win the division and the Seahawks will get into the playoffs. But this seventh seed for the NFC, bro, I have no idea. I put the Falcons in there because they have a weak schedule and division, uh, and it will be the worst playoff team by by far. I don't think – I mean, I was just looking at all the teams. But like, I don't think the Rams make it. I don't think the Commanders make it. I I don't believe in the Buccaneers that much. You know, I, I just – it's a toss-up for six and seven in the NFC. Um, and then here are like your, NFC, your AFC and NFC matchups, which I, I think is – Pretty interesting. You got Ravens versus Browns, Chargers versus, or I'm sorry, Jaguars versus Dolphins, Bills and Bengals. Um, moving on to the AFC divisional round, I think the Bengals win and face the Chiefs, and then the Ravens and Jaguars play one another, leading to a Bengals versus Ravens AFC championship round and a Ravens Super Bowl appearance. And then moving on down to the NFC championship, I've got obviously the Eagles with the bye, Lions versus Falcons. Uh, 49ers versus the Seahawks again uh, in the first round, and the Saints versus the Cowboys. And then in the divisional, you got the Eagles and Cowboys, which is a big game. This is kind of the one we wanted last year, and the Lions versus the 49ers. And I think that the Cowboys actually defeat the Eagles, whichever way you play it, number one seed or number five. I think the Cowboys win this game, 
and they break the curse with the NFC Championship appearance, but a loss to our kryptonite against the 49ers, which will be absolutely brutal. Um, so you get another Ravens 49ers Super Bowl where the Baltimore Ravens come out on top. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm looking up. Uh, I was just looking at like the playoff picture if the season ended right now and just going over a lot of the teams. I mean, a lot of them are the same, but like looking at this, like I'm going to list some of these teams and you're going to be like, what? So yeah. on the AFC, it's kind of uh, basically six out of seven teams we expect. So we got the one seed at Kansas City, the two seed at Baltimore, the three seed, the four seed, Miami. The fifth seed would be Pittsburgh. Yes. The sixth seed would be Cleveland. And seventh would be Cincy. So can any of y'all figure out a team that's not in there that you imagined would be in there? Miami? No, Miami's in there. The other team in their division. Bills? Yeah. If season ended right now, they would not be in the playoffs. That's crazy to think about. That and, then, and then on the NFC, which it's really just going to be one team. But you have Philly, number one, Detroit, number two seed, San Francisco, number three seed, New Orleans, number four seed, yeah. Seattle, number Division five, one. yeah, Dallas, number six. And then as of this moment, Minnesota Vikings would be the seventh seed. Yeah, that's crazy. If you can imagine that. I don't think so, they last, but no. yeah, so I don't think they last. But in that scenario, the Minnesota Vikings would be in before – the Commanders, the Falcons, Buccaneers, Green Bay, and then the Rams, who are all teams we could Honestly, hot take here. Well, maybe not hot, but the oh. Minnesota Vikings, I would want in the playoffs over all of those other teams you oh. just mentioned. Absolutely. Even Absolutely. though Josh Dobbs is just – he's not going to win a playoff game most likely. But, I mean – that team is you're going to have Justin Jefferson in a playoff game again. So, I mean, I would much rather have that than some booty ass other team with a shit quarterback. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I would rather see about mm, 30 other teams besides the new Orleans saints in the playoffs. So yeah, they're going to be the number four. They're going to probably win their division and they'll be that number fourth seed and host a playoff game. Yeah. It's, it's bullshit. Like we're going to have to play. If the Cowboys don't win the division, we're going to have to play probably if we get that fifth seed, um, which, you know, we're going to have to play them in the New Orleans Dome. And then we have to go to Lincoln Financial. Then we're going to have to go to San Francisco, like, yeah. you know, if it plays out my way. And that's that's a brutal slate. And it would say a lot about the team if we actually made the championship like my predictions. But, you know, I if it, if it ended today, know. imagine this shit game for a playoff game right now. Say if everything went wrong, nobody would be watching it. And we were the sixth seed, and Seattle was the fifth seed. New Orleans and Seattle <laughs> would play a, no idea a playoff game. game. Yeah, it's like who the hell wants to watch that game? Like nope. that sounds terrible. So, Uncle Chad. Yeah. What's funny? It's funny that you say Chad Seahawks, Seahawks and uh, Saints because the year that the Seahawks they made the playoffs with a losing record is against the Saints. Yeah, and they won the game because Mar- that's when Marshawn Lynch broke off that run. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the crotch grab. Yeah, the whole that's my favorite dude. part. I mean, uh, yeah, the run was really good. That was a good run. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! No. All right, all right. Well, that wraps it up. Let's go to our track records of the week. You know, I've got Cody Johnson's album "Leather." 
Um, Dirt Cheap, Leather, and Double Down are some great songs out of his brand new album. We got the ultimate country album for hunting season. But yeah, your records of the week, you know, outstanding stats, music, picks, etc. Like the little slogan on the bottom says, from expiring tunes to compelling statistics, it's worth putting on the record. Um, what do you guys got for your records of the week? The kid. Uh, my verse of the week is going to be plain and simple. It's a Billy Currington uh, line. God is great. Beer is good. And people are crazy. Billy <laughs> Currington, people are crazy. Plain and simple. Uh, there's no there's no puzzle to be solved in this. You know, God is great. Beer is good. I drink beer. You know, after work every day, Friday, every day. <laughs> Friday and Saturday, not every day, Friday and Saturday, I'll go have a beer after work, after my corporate America job. Can and I then come? people are crazy. You know, people are there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And um, just, you know, you guys all know some crazy people. So that's my first of the week. It's pretty simple. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share that. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So my my record of the week, and it was something Jared kind of mentioned a little bit in his record, but hunting season, uh, specifically gun season, started mm-hmm. November fourth. Um, yeah. Probably one of my favorite times of the year. I love being out at the lease. Yeah. I love you know hunting. I love the whole you know encapsulating feeling around. You know, just being out there, whether it's with your boys, whether it's with your significant other, your family, whatever, just kind of being yeah. out there in nature and just enjoying the time. I know a lot, like you talk about corporate America or any other job. I mean, all our lives are fast paced, fast paced and all over the place. And then it seems like you go out there during hunting season and just kind of relax. So that is my record of the week. I don't know what's going to be a damn in- funny hunter, but that's <laughs> a record of the week. I just corporate America, bro. It's just a funny. It's a funny phrase to me. Uh, you gonna be in the woods this weekend? Yeah, um, I'm yeah. taking Friday off, and so Same. so all weekend oh. I'm gonna try to get me an old toad out there naked. Yeah, trying cabin. to get me a lot, that little basket rat. Yeah, well, hopefully nobody has an I'm, injury. Shit. I I will say there is nothing better. Our sports than, are over, Hunter. I'm sorry for my grand whoever's hearing this, you know, because they don't know, but. Uh, there's nothing better than making a cup of coffee in the morning at six in mor- six o'clock in the morning, getting in the deer stand, and then throwing in a Zen pouch after you drink your, your little coffee and just oh, sit yeah. there. There's nothing better with a little bit of coffee and nicotine in the deer in the deer stand. So yeah, a little yeah, Tucker a little Tucker Carlson, you know what I mean? Yeah. A little <laughs> a little Wayne Zinsky, you know, yeah. just throwing it in there in the morning, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was track 21, the peak. Uh, you can 21. Can you do something? No. Uh, but follow the socials, you know, Instagram, track.pod. You can find our memes and content on there primarily. Um, x.com at the track pod. We got the kid running the the Twitter over there. We got TikTok at track.pod as well, or track.unscripted, and then our link tree and Again, I've been stressing this for three weeks. This is the key to finding us everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, AM, FM Radio, you name it. At the do off 1488 in Montgomery. Like, dude, it, we're everywhere. Go to every single one of our bios and every single one of our social media. There's a link tree link, and you can find us anywhere you would like. If you don't know us, you can find us there. So, 
Track 21, The Peak. We are the Rook and the Kid. <laughs> 